Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Sanders, off his back foot, caught first down and more down the sideline. Stop it, Scott Edwards, touchdown Colorado. Whoa! 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Speaking of dirty, Joe Dirt. Joey Hobart. You can hear him all the way in San Marcos. 26-yard touchdown and a big smile for the first-year head coach at Texas State. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Peasley. Scott! Touchdown is in! The point is good! Wyoming wins it! Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. High Hughes in it running back. They're going deep. Jaquan Jackson. Got him. Touchdown Tulane. A 47-yard ball from Michael Pratt. And this offense is clicking. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Viewers with the snap, first down, fires over the middle, Sanders. J.T. the catch to the 20, save it up to this one. J.T. Sanders, his first big hit of 2023. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go on 365 Sports on this Tuesday afternoon. We're going to hear today from Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff and the committee, and then also Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. In an interview I had from earlier today, we will have that at around just after 5 o'clock. One note, Wednesday, tomorrow, Rick Hart, who's the AD at SMU, will join us. He will be a part of the show here on 365 Sports. Uh, we'll get to much more, and I have information on how we will, at least for the next couple of three or four, maybe eight or ten weeks, decide the chat room 
TexasBeefHouse.com winner. We'll have a link for you to be a part of, and we'll put it in the chat momentarily. But one of the teams, one of the teams that's thought about as a possible national championship contender, Duke took down Clemson last night, and Clemson's offense was a mess, and Duke's quarterback was really good, and the Blue Devils with a huge win, and we'll get to the top 25 based on that in just a moment. Yeah, I mean, the two teams that played last night are in that top 25. Uh, one of them hanging on for dear life now at, that, at this point, and that's, uh, you know, Clemson. And, uh, wow, what a, what a way to close out the weekend, right? I mm. mean, what a tremendous week of games it was. Uh, going back to, you know, the middle of last week and uh, now rolling on in through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and all the way into Monday night, it was cool. I know we're going to get Monday night football back here pretty soon with the pros, but it was cool to have a – a college game on to just kind of wrap things up in a nice bow, or I guess really uh, it was closing out even though it was the start of a new week. Uh, but yeah. uh, it was a nice little transition there. And uh, while I look forward to the pros, you know, that was a game in Duke and Clemson that, you know, maybe when uh, most eyes first got on that, didn't think too much of it. Uh, but, you know, certainly as we were closing the show yesterday, we were talking about like, hey, man, Mike Elko's like, Duke's pretty good. Like, this could be interesting. All of Clemson's changes and Garrett Riley and all of that. And sure enough, I mean, Duke went out there and handled their business, and they were clearly the better team last night. I mean, it wasn't even, uh, you know, a question of who the better team was when all was said and done. So, yeah, very impressed with the Blue Devils and just the upward trajectory that they continue on. Mike Elko's done a tremendous job there. Riley Leonard uh, played a great game, you know, particularly the, the highlight of him on the really impressive run that was just a big exclamation point during that game and a big, like, whoa, what's going on here kind of moment. Uh, but, yeah, he was good, and uh, Duke just was, you know, was solid. And Clemson, meanwhile, I mean, what are you thinking today? What are you thinking? Uh, the big new offensive change with Garrett Riley and working with Cade Klubnick. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I do the Earl Campbell Award uh, numbers, and that has to do with guys who are from Texas. So, Cade Klubnick qualifies for that. Uh, but also, you know, if you play in Texas, mm-hmm. um, so Klubnick qualifies because he's he's from Texas. So I was had the list ready to go of all of the games from the weekend that I'd gone through. And all I was waiting on was really to see what Kate Klubnick did because I wasn't going to release a list. And, you know, then he has like 500 yards passing and then we need to put him back on there. So I was waiting. Shoot, I sent that list off like early fourth quarter. I was like, it's done. I don't need to see anymore. Like he's not going to be on the list this week. Uh, just ugly offense for Clemson, ugly, um, you know, I guess just kind of feel around the momentum or lack thereof of the program. And, yeah, a lot of questions now for for the Tigers, and some of them are carried over, um, but, uh, you know, are magnified based on last night. That was a great win for the Blue Devils, though. And uh, the ACC, I think Florida State's licking their chops a little bit more after last night. I think, though, others are raising their eyebrows a little bit about Duke being on their schedule if they weren't already. And Clemson's looking in the mirror going – Wow, what do we what do we do, and how does this change, and and how do we get this back on track? By the way, Craig will have off the radar at four forty five, and he will have the numbers of that Florida State game with LSU, among some other college football notes. And I think we were pretty much right on with what we expected as the high number when it comes to LSU and Florida State. That a little bit later on in the show today. So Clemson goes down. Duke is in the top 25. Here is the Associated Press top 25 poll. And by the way, I noticed in the coaches poll, different poll, that Clemson is still ranked ahead of Duke. Here is the top five left to right. Georgia, Michigan, Bama, and Florida State, Ohio State, USC. Not much here to debate. 
Uh, Notre Dame and Texas, that could be flipped between 10 and 11. Uh, I saw where uh, Jenkins, C. Jenkins, 313, said, why not put Texas in the top 10? You'd have a showdown with Alabama. Either way, it's going to be a monstrous uh, game to watch. Then you have Utah, who Baylor hosts this week. Oregon, back-to-back Pac-12 teams. And then you keep going with Kansas State as well. Yeah, I mean, let's just kind of take a look at that top five. I don't think anything too crazy there. I mean, Bama gets a slight bump, uh, obviously, um, with Ohio State uh, just not being all, you know, super impressive in their win over Indiana. Um, So, you know, the Buckeyes fall a couple spots, but uh, that does move Bama up. And Jalen Milrow was really good for them. I can't wait. Uh, Did you guys know that Texas and Alabama are playing this weekend? Mm. I, I don't I know if you, about that. If you, sure. Yeah, I don't know if you if you watch uh, any TV, you are you watched that game last night or any ESPN the last couple of days. You are well aware that Alabama and Texas are playing, but that's cool. You know, promote the heck out of it. You should. I can't wait for it. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. Um, you know, no doubt about it. But um, Florida State, I mean, deserved to to jump up the the handful of spots that they jumped up. So yeah, they're absolutely deserving of being there in the top four. And you know, depending on what happens with Bama and Texas, they could find themselves in the top three uh, but yeah um, nothing too crazy uh, as far as I think you know the top 10 goes other than uh, you know some teams just jumping up a couple spots LSU obviously had to fall down and they fell down a, a good number I think it was uh, nine spots for them uh, all told so that made room for some others to to get a little bit of a bump but yeah I don't think it's on the surface anything too crazy jumping out from you know the top 15 or so well a and m uh is in the poll from texas obviously i mentioned kansas state at 15 oklahoma is at 18 and and this is the writers the ap poll and then clemson just on the edge is like okay we know they were beaten by as a heavy underdog or heavy favorite uh we're going to drop they were nine so being in the top 25 does not surprise me that would have been a massive drop and that does happen um, but Duke now, there they are with the win. Colorado and Deion Sanders and the Buffaloes uh, in at number 22. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, mentioned um, Ohio State dropping a couple spots, but LSU dropped, you know, nine or so. But then, yeah, Clemson was the one that really made room for, for everybody to, to also jump up another spot because they fell – uh, I think it was nearly 20 spots. From, right. They went from 9 to 25. Yeah, that's so, 16. That's yeah, a big drop. That's a that, pretty, pretty hefty drop. So I can understand them just kind of teetering there and hanging on because you still think, well, they're, they had a, that wasn't a good look. But top 25, I think you can say, like, yeah, we'll give them another week to, to see what they do. Um, but, you know, uh, Texas uh, got a big opportunity this weekend. You know, K-State right there at 15. I think they're in a good spot. Oklahoma deserved to, to jump up a little bit, not just – I think just by product of LSU and, uh, you know, uh, Clemson, they were going to do that anyways. But I think if you had bumped them up any, just based on eye test, I think that would have been fine because I think Oklahoma looked really good. And I think that they're in a, a really nice spot where they can uh, definitely make some moves here over the weekend. But Duke, uh, so deserving of being in there. I mean, if it would have been a travesty had they not been in the top 25 after last night. Same thing with Colorado and what they were able to accomplish on Saturday. And, uh, you know, got your got your little two-lane mention right there at the end, as we typically have, like one yeah. of those 23, 24, 25 teams. But, um, yeah, just fun to see this and fun to have substance behind it and not just, hey, we think, and that's all well and good. No knock on how the preseason poll, you know, I, I think we, we have knocks on it. But, you know, it's fine the way that it is, but it's just nicer right. to have something to uh, actually go off Why of. Why was Clemson 9? Because their name is Clemson. No, so that's the problem with the preseason poll, and that's why at least with the college football playoff, 
at least they wait, what, like six or seven weeks, whatever it might be. I don't know the exact number. I really don't care. But it's towards the middle of the year, and then they start to get serious about it. Sure. Uh, and then, of course, now with what happens, the, the rankings even more because of uh, the highest-ranked conference champions, et cetera, and the at-large as well. Well. But Clemson was nine, and that, I never bar- – it didn't bother me. But then – you see sometimes that the brand, the logo, and by the way, I think they were supposed to be a top 10 team, but then you see that a lot of times they just place teams in certain spots. Well, that's why they play the games. You know, ultimately the games are what's going to dictate that more than anything. Um, but yeah, that's that's how it's done, and that's my beef with the preseason poll, but I also understand, uh, and, and the, my beef is that it's always the same teams, and it's always in, in some rearranging of the same exact teams. That's, there's a meme somebody had, a couple weeks back where they predicted like the AP poll and it was like dead on of, of just like, you know, random two lane mention at 23 and yep. you know, it was, it was, it, it just set it up so perfectly. And I think it was probably spot on with the first, the first rankings. Cause you kind of know how it's all sort of set up to begin with, but yeah, it's never, you know, so, two lane at number nine to start off the season. It's like, Oh, we forgot to almost put them in there. It's, you know, and there's, there's other examples as well, but why do they do that? Um, well, I mean, they love throwing that Alabama, Texas. Like, you got to watch this, but they also love it when there's numbers in front of those teams, right? It's, it's as much about the promotion, I feel like, early on in the season and the TV games. And these are top 10 teams, and you got to watch this. I think it's as much about that as, as anything else at this point because, yeah, it's it's uh, not an exact science by well, any means. If you're a network, you'd love to promote number two against three or number two against eight or uh, rather than – number five against 27, or 25, I guess it would be. From Timothy Vermeer, longtime Iowa fan, USC, Washington, Oregon in the top 25. Take note, Big Ten teams. (laughs) Uh, It's going to get real in 2024. The Pac-12 has, I think, six teams ranked uh, after the perfect week in the first two weeks for USC going uh, 2-0. Alabama and Texas, I don't have a prediction on that yet. Don't need to have one yet. Uh, I, 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 I... Felt like last year going into that game, even though there was uh, heavy thoughts about Alabama. I, I just uh, I, over the years, whether they've been really, really good or they've been average, Texas seems to win most of their big games. They win games on the road. Now I'm not talking about always in conference play, but some of their best non-conference games have been wins on the road, and even sometimes when you absolutely did not expect it. If they win at Alabama, it won't be a complete shock because last year's game was so competitive, and Texas looks to be a lot better even this year, and there are questions with uh, the quarterback position and elsewhere with Alabama. But we had a lot of time between now and that showdown in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. Well, I'll give you my Tuesday pick. I'm picking Alabama. Now, I say that, but I you know, I am going to chew on it some more, and, and maybe my mind changes on that because I do think it's going to be a really tight uh, football game. But right now, yeah, I do lean towards Alabama, like what I saw from Jalen Milrow. But let's also... Let, let's be be real about this as well. Texas didn't look like just awesome in week no. number one. I mean, they were fine. Uh, there were good things. They, you know, eventually pulled away and dominated. Um, there's a lot of weapons. We knew that going in. The defense looks really good. I think that that's going to be a strong suit for them. Uh, but you know, by no means were they just like, oh man, put them in the top three. Uh, they've they've got to go out and prove it, just like Alabama does. I, you know, Alabama looked good I, as I mentioned. Milrow uh, played really well. Uh, but yeah, I think there's there's a lot left, uh, you know, on the bone for for Texas to show. That was uh, just a 
you know, a, a fine game to start the season, but the real deal is this Saturday for both teams, and it's going to be awesome to watch. But, yeah, right now I do lean Alabama, uh, but I, I think it's, it's, it's like LSU-Florida State when you're trying to maybe pick it for a lot of people. You're like, man, this is sort of a toss-up. That's kind of how I feel about the Tide and Longhorns right now. All right, and, uh, again, some saying that Alabama is going to embarrass Texas. Some say no, this and, – and I love it. Go at it. Have fun with it. That's the whole point it. of this. And that's the <laughs> yeah. whole point of it because we do have college football. Now, a, a couple of other notes. If they do that, embarrass Texas, then that would be something. And uh, vice versa. If yeah. Texas rolls into Tuscaloosa and embarrasses them, that'll be something else, too. I'm, I'm hoping for a great game. But no matter what the outcome is, there is going to be a lot to unpack from that, uh, no, no doubt. All right. Also this. From Matt Brown, who's been on with us from Extra Points, is a, a heck of a, an analyst for college football and more than just games or whatever. So after the Clemson-Duke game, here's his tweet last night. I cannot wait for the ACC to enter this big, fancy, new merit revenue sharing model that teams like Clemson fought so hard for and teams like Duke and Wake Forest start earning more of the money. This would be the funniest time for Clemson to start going 8-4. and four. I saw the term Clemsoning last night, and I feel like I haven't seen that in about five or six years. But do y'all recall when that was the regular thing and Clemsoning was Clemsoning and that yep. was a real deal? And, and I saw that brought back up last night. It was like, oh, my gosh, I almost forgot that that even existed because they'd had so much success. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a brand-new world for the, uh, for the ACC as far as the revenue sharing goes. And, um, as they point out, it, yeah, uh, there's going to be you know some of that going on. But, hey, Duke got the big win, and I guess Clemson gets some of their money. Yep. You know, if it, if it plays out the way that it does, Wake Forest will give you know uh, Clemson some of their money if they, if they have a big season. But, no, uh, you know, Clemson, uh, to, to the point of just them in, in general, it's, uh, it's a very strange time, man. I mean, it's a strange time. You, you worry about Dabo losing his grip. You worry about the whole NIL saga that you've been through as far as his feelings on that. And then you watch a game like last night, and you're like, wow, they're not really more talented than Duke. What's going on here? Whereas you watch them in previous years, and it's like their receivers are clearly the best on the field. Their quarterback is great. And, you know, it's – it's Kate Klubnick, it's taken him a little while to kind of – How about Garrett Riley? I, I mean, all debut. across the board. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Kate Klubnick hasn't been, like, overly impressive really at all. Uh, it, so far, we've seen him. Um, you see some of the tools and, and why, you know, he was valued the way that he was. But, I mean, obviously, part of the problem is the offense that he's playing in. And you make this big hire in Garrett Riley, who had such an awesome year with uh, Sonny Dykes and the Frogs. I think the one thing is – if you wanted to say, well, yeah, it was with Sonny Dykes, though, like, you know, that, you got to take that. And it's like being an offensive coordinator with Lincoln Riley. Like, yeah, yeah, you're probably pretty good. But how much of that was also Lincoln Riley? Now, I think Garrett Riley is still a good offensive mind. But some of TCU's magic was that. It was magic. It was just a combination of things. I think it was the plane probably off of each other somewhat. So now to have this big opportunity and go, you know, off to Clemson with big expectations, a big-time quarterback, and to go lay an egg in the way that they did – and let's face it, they had opportunities. I mean, they just made some really bad mistakes, bad turnovers in the red zone, and um, just really uncharacteristic for you know a championship kind of level team. And uh, that cost them. And and Duke was was the better team when all was said and done. But yeah, I think there's a lot of wringing of the hands over over Dabo in particular. But yeah, obviously, if, if things don't get better quickly under Garrett Riley or, or you know Cade Klubnick, then there's going to be a lot of hand wringing compared to, to just this last 24 hours. Wet blanket, Riley didn't fumble. Uh, no. I, I did see the quote, and this is kind of one of those things that Dabo, Dabo, when he gets criticized, a couple of different things. One, 
He really refuses to be a part of the transfer portal. Uh, I don't know exactly. Does it mean that there's not NIL? Uh, I, I think he's one of those. you got to watch how things go um, with how he accepts and also integrates the new college football, where you've seen what Colorado and Dion have done or what G.J. Kenny even at Texas State have done and other schools. And look at the, Coleman, the, the wide receiver at Florida State that was at Michigan State. But uh, Dabo's kind of dug his heels in. He doesn't want to really change or give in to the newness, and that's his prerogative. But uh, they weren't great last year. They were good, but there is an expectation when you set the standard, and he gave them a standard that Clemson fans had never seen before since Danny Ford won a title back, I think, what was it, like in 1980 or 81. So there's, there's a little bit of that. Is he under the heat? No. But, yeah, there's a little bit of that. You, you really need to open up your eyes to the newness. After the game, speaking of Garrett Riley, he said it's Clemson's offense. He wouldn't say that it was Garrett Riley and his offense, that it's Clemson's offense. So there's a lot of that territorial, not high school football coach mentality, but very close to that with him. Yeah, there's some of that, and, and you're absolutely right. Like I mentioned the turnovers in the red zone. Those were the killers. I mean, those were the absolute daggers for them and and we are talking a lot different about Dabo probably but certainly about Garrett Riley um UK Klubnik just in general any any you know um I guess concerns coming out of that game are just magnified amplified by uh the result and and the way that it unfolded it was it was an ugly performance for Clemson and I mean here's the thing they've not lost or they've not won less than 10 games in like well over a decade now at this point so yeah they (laughs) there's no there's no there's no warm – there's lukewarm seat doesn't even exist in, in my mind, but they'll, they'll get it right. I mean, they're still a good team. They're just not dominant. They had a stretch where they were on Alabama's level, and really since NIL opened up, I mean, they're still on that level. They're still winning 11, 10 games every single year. Um, but it, it is a difference um, that wasn't there before. Uh, you know, it is – and it's one that they clearly have or their head coach clearly has a different position on than some others or at least is more vocal about his position than some others. And when you're not winning at the clip that you were and you are outspoken about the way that you're doing things as compared to other people, you just naturally can expect that your fan base or outsiders are going to say, oh, see, they're losing. He refuses to embrace the transfer portal. And that's just yeah. – that comes with the territory. But go out there and win, and, and then you can show that shiny trophy and be like, you take your transfer portal and shove it. But it is something that you have to keep an eye on if you're uh, a Clemson fan or observer for sure. So we brought this up yesterday that Shadur Sanders in the 500-plus yards passing, he will earn a lot of different awards this week, no question. He uh, Dion was on the Pat McAfee show. And here's a quote when Dion brought up Shadur Sanders and – Kendall Bryles, we heard this a little bit in the postgame after uh, Saturday's win. Uh, he was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, and he doubled down on the rift between Kendall Bryles and also explaining that Shadur was overlooked during a visit at Florida State. Now, somebody else came back and said he may have been Florida Atlantic when he was there. Uh, at, at Florida Atlantic, I believe, was that with Kiffin? Uh, was it Kiffin who was the head coach? And so... Uh, Here's the thing. I, I understand, and Dion and what he's done is knock a lot of people's socks off. He kept saying it and what they did against TCU. Um, somebody then responded to this. When you go to camps, there are hundreds of kids at these camps. Garrett, you've covered some of them. Yes. Most coaches kind of know where some of the alphas are, at least know when to make sure they talk to them. So I don't know if this is, you know, just kind of digging in a little bit deeper. But uh, somebody had asked me if this was when he was at Baylor uh, Shadur Sanders was 14 years old. Not that he can't go to a camp when Kendall Browse had his last year 
uh, in 2016 at Baylor. So this was at one of the schools, perhaps Florida State is what Dion is saying, but he's making sure that that story is out there between Shadour Sanders, his son, and also Kendall Bryles. Yeah, and he didn't really clarify on Pat McAfee originally, so I guess he did at some point clarify that it was Florida State because, yeah, it, he left it vague enough to where people were, were wondering where that could possibly be, and Kendall's been around. I mean, he's been at Arkansas. He's been at Florida Atlantic. He's been at Florida State. He's been at uh, Baylor, uh, uh, since Baylor, I should say. He's been at Florida State, Florida Arkansas. Atlantic, Arkansas, yeah. uh, and is that it? And then now? Yeah, uh, now TCU. And now TCU. So, yeah, he's been – three other places besides TCU obviously it wouldn't have been TCU so that does narrow it down and Florida State lines up with the timeline and I guess based on that that it has been confirmed that it was Florida State but yeah I I initially raised my eyes to that and then I started thinking about it's like even though you know how you get old and you think everything's like two years ago it's like no Kendall hasn't been here for like a long time I mean it's been nearly a decade right it's been almost a decade at this point so yeah it, it wouldn't have lined up there but you know, I, you know, I, I hesitate to just every time Dion has like a chip on his shoulder to be like, yeah, but, um, you know, I can see where that'd be motivation. Does it really need to be thrown out there? I, I don't know. I it's, I don't really have strong thoughts on this. I, I can see where it's kind of silly um, to always feel like there's that has to be that chip. But I also know people that that's how they thrive and that's how they operate and that's how they're successful. So it's clearly working for them right now. It's worked for Shadour Sanders. He wanted to play Kendall Bryles and they went out and they beat Kendall Bryles. So, you know, whatever, whenever and however it happened, uh, whether it was as disrespectful as, as Dion made it out to be or not, it served as motivation years down the line, which is kind of a cool, you know, story in and of itself. But long way to go, too. You know, long way to go, and, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But it was mightily impressive, and they, they deserve to talk a little noise. And, you know, uh, in Dion's case, as a father, that sounds like something he's held on to as well. So it meant something to him, and that's obviously why he brought it up. Well, uh, there's no question he did, and he has, and he's taking advantage of all the attention uh, right now as long as he can. And it, it might go a lot longer than most of us think. Nebraska this week, eventually, they have uh, around the corner, what is it, Oregon and also USC. Somebody mentioned about Prime. Uh, he's an FSU uh, alum. Are you an alum if you didn't receive a, a degree from that school? Yeah, I've wondered about that. because He's I not see- an alum. He even made that comment last yeah. week that he's not Noel because he got his degree at an HBCU. Yes, he and did. And Paul then in a text with us said, well, that's because he didn't try to get a degree when he was at FSU when it comes to classes. But – I did see that. So he's not an alum, but I get what you're saying. He played there and was an incredible player with the Seminoles back when he played in college. Yeah, I've seen that. um, I've never seen like a hard definition on that because I have seen it used where it it is just really saying that a player went there. Like especially, you know, somebody who's there for three years and they go to the NFL. You're like, hey, as a Florida State alum. But um, I don't know if like the exact definition, I guess I can look it up, if the exact definition means you had to have graduated um, no, a former pupil or student of a school or university or college. So, right. yeah, he's, so, a, he's a Florida State he alum. alum. Yep. But, no, he didn't get his degree, and he did say that. Uh, what show was that he said that on? I forget now. It was a, he was a post-game interview. He was asked was about it? it. And he was okay. like, no, I'm not, I'm a, I'm not a, a null alum. I'm an HBCU okay. alum. Okay, yeah, I remember the clip. I just didn't remember the setting of yeah. it. So, all right, yeah. And, yeah, he made that comment. But, yeah, I guess technically by the definition that I'm reading here, he is also a Florida State alum. But I guess he, he takes it as, a, you know, where you got your degree, which is, is fine. All right, we'll take a break here, come back with a little bit. We'll have Bill Hancock, the executive director from the College Football Playoff Committee. He'll join us at 345. Kyle Whittingham of Utah, and great to talk to him. I, I like him. 
I like his style. I like the way he conducts himself. He's got a team. And I even asked him about the ball of razor blades, and he had not heard that before. So he got kind of a chuckle out of that. His dad was a football player and then a coach. So I enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully you will also sometime a little bit after 5 o'clock. Coming up, former Washington AD Jennifer Cohen, now at USC, replaced on the college football committee. We'll tell you about that and more and more from you in the chat. Keep it going. This is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental Robinson, Texas. Back when I had the back right lower, next to the back right, the lower molar, molar taken out, put a crown in it. Took a, a few a few weeks of that to get that done. Dr. Uh, Dr. Childress told me, he goes, you know, you've got something in that back left. That I think we need to take care of that tooth. And I, and I like, listen, they have done everything they can to help me with my dental work and help me catch up from being just stupid about trying to keep up with my dental work. And I used to have a terrible habit. I've said this. I used to, like, have lozenges in my mouth all of the time. That's only full of absolutely 100% probably sugar. I used to do that to kind of soothe my throat while doing broadcast and spitting them out during the break or before the coming back on the air. It was a horrible habit. And I'm paying for that because some of the teeth that I have have been like beaten up and ruined because of it. And that one in the back left is one that I'm going to have to take care of. Cannot wait, have an appointment set up, and I will go to see Dr. Childress. He'll take care of that like he's done many other things with my dental work. Stonewood Dental in Robinson, Texas, Dr. Steve Childress is the guy that helped me understand Either do it now, even though you may have waited and it's almost too late, or you have no idea the repercussions of what's going to happen with you and your dental work. If you're that person, scared to go to the dentist because you have not taken care of it and you're in the Waco area, Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress in Robinson, Texas. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, General Manager, CEO Ted Teague, sending me their Labor Day weekend deals that are good through Tuesday, September the 5th, including 12466 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 limited crew cab 4x4. The Labor Day weekend is here at Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat. Save 12000 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star crew cab 4x4 for the Labor Day weekend. All the way through Tuesday, September the 5th. 12515 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie 4x4. 11500 off MSRP on a brand new 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star 4x4 for the Labor Day weekend. Save up to 6000 off MSRP on the brand new 2023 Dodge Charger GT. Save up to 6000 off as well on MSRP on the brand new 2023 Dodge Challenger GT. Save $7,500 off MSRP on the brand new 2023 Dodge Charger R slash T for the Labor Day weekend. Again, all of these incentives, discounts, and more available at Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat the Labor Day sales weekend through Tuesday, September 5th. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. 
one size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254 759 Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB, your bank for life, is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB, your bank for life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths of tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offer several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over a thousand new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. 365 Sports, David Smoke, Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina out today. And some of you are asking about it. I think he must have put something up on social media. His dog, Woodrow, uh, who is like uh, our team mascot, was always around us when we started broadcasting the show when we were at his second floor upper, upstairs at his house back in April of 2020. Uh, he had to be put down. And uh, he's out for a couple of different days. And yesterday, and then also was out and will be out again today. Since he put it up there, and I saw some of you mentioning what he said in the chat room, then I was going to put it out there with letting him have an opportunity to say that too. Yeah, so... Um... Back when COVID first started, like a day after Rudy Gobert tested positive, the station we were at took the opportunity to to go ahead and make changes. And 
Um, we bounced back. I was already working for Sikkim, and um, like an hour after the the um, I guess firings, uh, Sikkim call and like this is I mean this is the start. This is like the, the day after you know I think no it was a couple days after because we just got back from the basketball tournament or a few days after when the basketball tournament got canceled in Kansas City, but um, yeah and so uh, Colt Barber over at Sikkim called me. I was already writing stuff for them and then. Uh, you know, shoot, a few weeks later, we got equipment and we're doing the show in Paul's uh, upper, you know, floor uh, that was like a, a basement style, or no, it was not, like an attic almost, an attic that was converted and Woodrow was in there every day and he's laid by my feet quite often. He was a very sweet dog and Paul had him for a very long time and I know it meant a great deal to him and so big bummer for sure and, uh, you know, would have liked to have had him around here more but I don't know, he's a big yeah. old goof and I don't know if he would have been controllable or not but he was a sweetheart and you know, he he's going to be deeply missed. He rarely ever said a word, right? He rarely, you hardly ever heard anything from Woodrow. He's laying on that little upstairs walkway, like the stairs on the way up to the second floor. Uh, but uh, God bless Woodrow. He was amazing. And I know Paul's having a tough day. And so there we are with that. Now, um, Kevin Harlan, who's uh, a par- uh, Mark Harlan, excuse me, the AD at, at Utah, will replace now USC AD Jennifer Cohen, who was at Washington on the college football selection committee and again we'll have bill hancock just around the corner she stepped down from the role with the group because of obligations with her new job at usc so utah ad mark harlan will take over as one of those on the committee and bill hancock will discuss that with him when he comes on the show mark harlan and i believe mac Rhodes, who will join us at 420 spent a lot of time on the phone during that week before august the 4th the week of august the 4th the friday when three new teams joined the Big 12, and I think they got to know each other very well. Be interested to hear from Mac on Mark Harlan and the role now in the college football playoff committee. Yeah, and I was wondering about how that was going to uh, to work uh, with the conferences changing, and he's only going to be doing it for this year. So that's why he'll rep the Pac-12, but Gene Taylor already represents the Big 12 from Kansas State. So this is a one-year de- uh, one deal. It appears, but you know, Gene Taylor's also in the last year of, of what is a three year gig. So um, perhaps, you know, Mark Harlan just slides on over or just stays where he is and just flips the card around and says, Pac 12 over to Big 12, and then there's your Big 12 rep. But yeah, Gene Taylor's in his last year, and uh, Harlan will represent the pack. And then after that, we'll see which direction that they go. All right. So some of you uh, are on the chat room and uh, responding to what we mentioned about Paul as well. Um, let's see here. From Elias Gray, I always assume Nebraska will find a way to blow a late lead, whether they're playing Northwestern or the Patriots. I couldn't even enjoy last Thursday night. I, we, we really, and it's, I love them. I, I think we, we, we talk about them almost like too much, and it's almost because they've become the sad state of college football. We barely talk we, about Nebraska. I, I know, but Matt Rule <laughs> being there, there's more of a connection. They are, uh, they are a sad sack. Uh, they really are. They, they really, really are. And I expect them to get thumped by the speed and what Colorado, not just the speed of Colorado and Boulder. Can you imagine the atmosphere in Boulder on Saturday with that game in their home opener with Dion coming off the win against TCU? It'll yeah, be nuts. I can, and I can't wait to see it. And it's going to be in everybody's face because there's going to be a lot of attention on that game, particularly after what uh, Colorado did. And if only Nebraska could have won and got a big win over a you know, Big Ten team, 
right out of the gates, go 1-0 in conference and on the season. would have been huge. They had the opportunity to do it. I think you're just super pessimistic because that's your team, so you want to be, like, overly negative, and I get that. Um, but but they've given me no, I understand. every reason I just to be said pessimistic. I, get, I just yeah. said I get that, yeah. but I, I also do think you pour it on a little heavy because we don't talk about Nebraska a lot. I think we almost avoid talking about them because of Matt Rule, because we, we know him and we like him and, and all that. But, you know, they should have won that football game, point blank, period. Um, but, you know, just one too many mistakes. And I understand for Nebraska fans, it was far too much of the same story. I mean, just replace the coach. It's the same outcome as yep. you got with Scott Frost um, or, or anybody else really for that matter ever since Bo Pelini, right? I mean, um, you know, maybe not as, as on-brand yakety sacks as, as that Scott Frost, you know, impersonation was there by uh, ruling company. But got to give it time. I mean, his first game in Waco, they lost to Liberty. Not when Liberty's like Liberty now where they're hiring Jamie Chadwell and Hugh Freeze and all those guys in the time since. Like, this was early Liberty when you couldn't explain it of like, well, they, you know, they have a lot of resources. No, we weren't talking about that then. It was Liberty. Like, what? And that was at a particularly bad time, and it took him some time, and he inherited a much worse situation, I think, overall uh, in terms of PR, uh, without a doubt, uh, than he inherited in Nebraska. So, uh, I understand the pessimism. I totally get it because it's all this new, 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 and then the first game of the year, it's the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why Baylor's loss was so devastating because all you heard off season was new, 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 and then same thing we've been seeing now for the last you know five games or so in, in many ways. But uh, I, I've got faith. Uh, I don't think they're winning the Big Ten, Big Ten anytime soon, but that was definitely one they, they let get away, and I'm sure that's bothered them immensely in the days since. Yeah, they, someone said that the 70s are over, no longer stuck. 100 players for four years, uh, you may need to push that timeline up about 25 more years because they were fantastic, including almost winning the national title in 99 after winning three. But I get it. They have been crap, really, almost since Callahan, even though Pelini was good, but nine-plus wins, his fiery temperature and all that other stuff. So that's there you also, go with that. That's also now like 20 years ago. It was, um, absolutely. So, you yeah. know, it feels like, again, another one of those things where you get older and you feel like, oh, that's just a couple of years ago. I was like, no, that's 20-plus years ago. That's 20, over 20 years ago when Eric Crouch had them in their last national championship game. Uh, 2001. Getting beat by some some 0-1 Miami team that was apparently pretty good. Maybe but, the best ever. Yeah, I mean, but that was the, that was the last kind of uh, brush with glory and – um, you know, there does seem to be like this feeling of getting back means like getting back to that point. And that's just, I, I do think that's unrealistic. I think that the, them being a dominant program where they were close to winning three, if not four national titles in a row there in the mid nineties, I, I do think we're far beyond that point. So you do need to adjust your expectations a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I do, I do still have plenty of faith in Matt rule despite the first loss, but you go zero and two, that's going to be ugly. Uh, so a lot will depend on, you know, what happens this weekend. Well, uh, I, it, it is, and uh, the loss Thursday was almost like clockwork. With yeah. the ball, 4.50 to go, around midfield, having a nice run, and you just don't protect the football, but that is who they have become, which is how teams like Northwestern or Kansas for many years back when they were horrible, you just find ways to lose the game. You find ways to lose the game. Uh, also, um, and th- some of you – uh, have you some of you like Nebraska uh, and then as your second favorite team 
and we appreciate that. Sorry, David, I expect Nebraska to win. Sorry, TCU is pathetic on defense. My daughter could have rushed for 100 yards against the TCU defense. We are now joined by the executive director of the College Football Playoff Committee, Bill Hancock, with us, David Smoke and Craig Smoke on 365 Sports. And, Bill, thank you for your time. Uh, Mark Harlan takes over for Jen Cohen. Is that that's a one-year fix, and then once he moves into the Big 12, that means that that will be filled by somebody else? Yeah, that's correct. We appreciate your time. Hey, how, how about that for an easy and quick answer? Well, no, that was a very – I should never ask questions where it could be yes, no, or that's correct. <laughs> you, hey, we're not going to fool around here. No, I yes know. We, no. Well, we appreciate your time. Here's the thing. I, you had a meeting last week. You guys met last week. There's a lot to get to. What right now is the number one focus of what you're doing, not for this year, but for the future of the turn of the college football playoff committee? Well, it would be easy to spend our whole time working on the future. We can't. We have an event to put on this year, but I understand why you're asking and what you're asking. And it's really a good question. Um, I think implementing the games, particularly the first round games next year, no one's ever done this before. What? We're going to have playoff games on campus for college football, and we're going to have them in 15 months from now? Yes, we are. So things like tickets, uh, lodging, um, stadium preparations, all that. And, you know, there's 130 schools in our division, but only four of them are going to host games. But we have to kind of get everybody ready to do it. How much has the, the disruption of just what's going on in realignment, whether it's not necessarily planning for right now, as you say, but uh, looking at the future as we often also do, but uh, how much has that kind of, I guess, paused any major uh, decision-making and, and kind of how has that been taken in by the committee, knowing there's so many things that are up in the air and, and still not finalized quite yet as far as where everybody's even going to be moving forward? Well, you know, what's really not finalized as of today is what will become of the Pac-12 conference. Uh, and we're going to just sit back and wait for the dust to settle on that before we make any decisions. Uh, clearly, we have a format which calls for the best six conference champions and the best six at-large teams. There'll be talk about changing that. I don't know if that'll happen or not. But really, for us, we're just, we're just moving forward and putting the new event together. So the, the new event and where we are, last year, of course, you had the exciting game, TCU beats Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia go down to the wire, and then, of course, uh, Georgia routes uh, TCU in the final. Uh, that's going to happen, right, that, that you're going to have. There have been blowouts before in the championship game. It, 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 too many people I saw looked at, well, it was TCU, but they forgot that TCU beat Michigan. Is that something that's up for discussion every year? Oh, you know it happens in playoffs. Uh, I was with the NCAA Final Four for 16 years, and we had some championship games that were not very competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we've had some CFP championship games that were not very competitive. Good grief, you remember the Super Bowls that were not competitive. Yep. It's like for 10 years remember in a row, when, yeah. Yeah, people said Super Bowl. Well, for crying out loud, you can't control what happens on the field. And we did have the two terrific the final games, and 
in a championship game that wasn't uh, wasn't very compelling. That happened. With the 12-team playoff, do you feel like college football can grab back some of the weekends that perhaps the NFL saw that were open and try to find your niche during that time? Oh, you know, we're going to grab the third weekend of December, which the NCAA, what the NFL also has. Uh, but they have the they have the Saturday in January. Um, we would like to play then. Can we? No, those those dates are taken. Uh, but we still have the best days for college sports, maybe for any sport, which is New Year's Day, and we intend to take full advantage of that with three quarterfinal games. Would you say that the um, discussion, and I know, Bill, and we're going to get to this year, believe me, but there's a lot of interest because of the expansion uh, and realignment. But would you say the, the model of the six and six that you brought up that could end up being a different number, whatever it might be, is that in any kind of a way like a turf war among conference teams right now? Or presidents? I've heard the con- president. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I've heard the conversations among the conference commissioners, and it's not. Uh, everybody understands that there will come a time to talk about that. And when the time comes, we will talk about it, but I don't see anybody drawing any lines in the sand. Uh, they know what we have is a really good balance between rewarding conference champions and allowing space for at large teams. It's a really good balance. What number did you think, before it started expanding, would it end up at? Did you feel like it would ever get past four or eight or whatever number that was in your head? I never thought it would get past 12. Um, that, that 12 just felt right. You know, and, and, and we talked about eight uh, three years ago when, when putting the new format together. But eight with some conference champions, Really, say with six conference champions, would have reduced the number of at-large teams. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to go backwards on that. Now we have four at-large teams. All four are at-large. And nobody wanted to go backwards on that. So that kind of sunk the ship for eight uh, pretty early in the conversation. Sixteen felt like a lot, a lot of games. When could we play? Um, Twelve just, just felt really good. Bill, I'm sure, I mean, you obviously pay attention to the conversations that out there. I'm sure you've heard about the, the Super Leagues and, and the fear of a lot of people. I mean, there's fear amongst the, the pack uh, two remaining. Uh, you know, that's obviously its own unique situation. But just what are what are the uh, the, the places going to look like in the future? You, you mentioned uh, that that wasn't really much thought. How, how much is it important of the people in the room to have all of college football a part of the mix, to have opportunity? Uh, and, and what do you think when you hear of the, the Super League and the fears that this is going to eventually boil down to just a couple of conferences and everybody else will, you know, have to be on the outside looking in? Oh, I've heard that, of course. I, I don't see that happening. Uh, I, I will say this. I, I'm, I'm disappointed with what happened with the Pac-12 schools. Uh, I understand why they did what they did, but I'm, I'm sure disappointed uh, that the Pac-12 was such an anchor for college sports on the West Coast for so many years. But, you know, at the end of the day, every school can decide what conference it wants to participate in. That's really one of the beauties of college athletics. And those schools on the West Coast have decided they, they didn't want to be in the Pac-12 anymore. 
I'm not happy about it, but I understand why the schools did what they did. Bill, as the executive director, the conference commissioners and everybody else that's involved, they obviously have a vote and have a say in this. What is your actual, not role, we understand you're helping run this thing. It's a big, monstrous thing, and it's getting bigger. But what what are some things that you want to see done better? You know, people lose sight of the fact that we what we do here primarily is, is manage a game, manage a championship event at the end of the season. We have 17 on our staff here. Our office is up in Irving, and that's really what we do. We, we also convene meetings of the uh, commissioners and the university presidents that, that make the decisions about how, how the event is operated. Uh, what, what could we do better? I, I, I want to see the game grow. I want to see it draw more fans. It can never be the Super Bowl, so that's not our goal. But, but I, I want to see the event grow, and it, it has grown. It's prospered. It's doing great. But I want that to continue. Uh, I'm pleased with the selection process. That committee does a great job. Uh, so I, I wouldn't tweak that in any way. Um, and, and, we, and we just need to figure out what the, exactly what the new format will be or if, if it will be anything different than we already have, which is six and six, what will be like next year when we go to 12 teams. Is, is there um... – the thought process for so long that about the student athlete, which I know that that's changed, Bill. I, I mean, with what we see now in college athletics about somebody having to play two, three, four weekends in a row. Is that just, hey, then make sure you're a better seed? Well, <laughs> there's, there's three entry points into the CFC. One is be in the top four and you mm-hmm. do get a bye. Second one is B five through eight, and then you get a home game in the first round, and then the third one is just get in the playoffs altogether. So B nine through twelve. Um, I think we've got a nice break for the athletes. We certainly do between the conference championship games and the in the first round. Uh, then there'll be another nine or ten day break between the first round and the quarterfinals. Um, players want to play games. That's why they sign up for college football, mm-hmm. and they're certainly going to get the opportunity. So a question I have for you, you mentioned the at-large. We know that there's six. Uh, is that going to be straight up what the college football playoff committee rankings are like you've done before, or is that going to be a conglomerate of, of a few things combined? No, it'll be exactly what, what we've done before. What we'll do starting in five weeks or six weeks with the selection committee, uh, it, and that'll all be the same. Committee process, uh, committee makeup. And, yeah, those six at-large teams will be selected and ranked by the committee. Do you see what Tulane did last year or what some teams might do this year? Is that going to be when it comes to an at-large if they were not a conference championship? Is it going to be hard for a group of five to get in if they don't win their conference and also ranked high? We've done surveys of that. We we ran the data for the last nine years and and more than that. And and there were teams from those five – conferences that didn't make it. Uh, they certainly now have a guaranteed uh, pathway which is to win their conference. And, and the top six conference champions will, will be in the playoff. But I would tell everyone else, you know, keep keep playing, keep fighting through November, and, uh, and certainly try to win your championship. But if you don't, play a good schedule, win your games, and you're going to be in the hunt. 
Will the change in the like Mountain West, if they add Oregon State, Washington State, what the American Conference might do, does that in any way affect the G5 opportunity as far as a conference champion, or is that going to always be just the one? It, it really doesn't change their, their access into the playoffs. Um, with, we currently have six spots for conference champions. Mm-hmm. The debate that I mentioned before is what, whether we might, someone might say, should we go, should we go to five? Um, I don't know. I don't know how that'll come out, but, but certainly they're, they're, they will have a guaranteed spot for a, a champion. I, a couple of years ago, we had you on during the Big 12 media days, and you're there every year. And the, 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 you brought up what Craig brought up about the super conferences. If, in fact, that was to ever happen, it, let's just – I know this is hypothetical, but if there became this the two mega 20 or whatever number of schools, do you feel like if they were to separate, Bill, and separate from the others who are a part of the college football playoff hope right now, would those numbers – be as high as they are if everybody's involved? If I'm understanding the question properly, and by the way, I, did, I, I, I answered that part of the other question, so forgive me for that. Uh, I don't see conferences growing to that to that extent. Uh, that's a lot of schools to have in a conference. Um, our conferences, are, are, our structure is different than mm-hmm. the NFL, for example. Because every every conference can go sell its own TV rights, and of course the NFL the NFL sells the rights for everybody. So no, I don't. I just I just don't see conferences that big. Um, now, having said that, I didn't see the Pac-12 dissolving either. <laughs> but I think we I think we've about got to the limit of of where a conference is a conference, and and after that it becomes something else. Bill, did you ever foresee a team uh, the, you know, the size of a TCU being able to make the impact they did last year? And just what are the thoughts on a brand like that, a new brand that's not necessarily the tried and true that we've you know been conditioned to see year over year? Uh, how much excitement did that add t- to the process to have, you know, no disrespect to your Bamas and your Ohio States and all that, but to have a little new blood shaking things up? Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Well, what we care about is getting the best four teams in the playoffs. And we did last year, like I think we have all the years. Uh, we were so excited for TCU and for the fans, and certainly that Michigan game was off the charts. Uh, so yeah, it was it was good for college football. Bill, the uh, the the playoffs about to expand this year. You're going to have what we've already seen. Clemson goes down. There's a lot of football. LSU gets stumped by Florida State. Got some great games coming up this weekend. Can you try to explain? the time when the college football playoff committee members come into that room and what are, are there like 15 flat screens? What, how is that done? And how much actual discussion between games or during the day go on? Oh, good question. Well, first of all, the, the members are watching games. They watch games this weekend. Uh, we issue iPads to them and also connect them with, services where they have access to every game in the country. Uh, by the way, I was caught up in the feud between Disney and Spectre <laughs> last weekend, and I was not very happy about it. <laughs> yeah, you weren't the only one. Millions of, uh, including me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was awful. It was just awful. Anyway, um, 
we don't start ranking until after the ninth week of the season because we, we, we want to let teams build up their resume. You, you can't start ranking in the first week. My goodness. I mean, the first week was awesome. I loved it. It was fun. I'm glad to have college football back. But we wait until the ninth week. And the committee members watch games on their own. They don't watch games together. Uh, they don't have time to do that, frankly. But they, they all watch games on their own. And then they come together and they debate. They talk about what they saw. They talk about the data. Uh, they talk about the, the, the resumes that the teams have built up. And it's fun to watch the resumes change from when we start meeting in the ninth week uh, through the end of the season. Uh, as teams add to their resumes by playing better teams, uh, some resumes are diminished because teams lost or, or maybe they don't play quite as good a schedule over the last month. Uh, but, but that's how it works. They, the committee never watches games together, but they, they do have robust debates, that's for sure. Bill, what do you say to those of fans that believe that there's like an agenda, a narrative, even before those people walk in the room, that they're going to bring the schools that are going to bring in the most money? Oh, I think not crazy. Uh, can't happen. Couldn't even happen. Um, if anybody wanted, wanted it to happen, uh, each member has a different perspective on the game. They're all from different parts of the country. Uh, they represent different uh, elements. Some are former players. Some are former coaches. Some are former journalists. Uh, some are just uh, people from higher education that follow the game. So they all have different backgrounds. They all learn the game in different ways. But their protocol calls for them to come together and and rank the team. And through the first uh, nine years of doing this, I- I've never heard or felt anyone trying to do anything other than get the best four teams, period. If you don't mind me on this question, in 14 with Baylor and TCU, you remember that. I mean, it was intense. And eventually Ohio State jumped both of them and then won the whole championship, won the whole thing. Was that among the most intense discussions about who was going to be number four compared to most other years? Oh, boy, that was intense. Uh, And right off the bat, we got it. We had an intense year. We've had other years that were were way easier than that, where things kind of fell into place. Uh, Was it the most intense? Uh, I don't know that I would say that, but it, it certainly was intense because we had we had two schools that really didn't have great schedules. Um, and we, we knew the outcome of that game, the Baylor TCU game. We saw what Ohio State did at the end of the season. It, it, it was a fascinating, fascinating season to be a part of. Can you see, though, because of that, and yes, Ohio State won it, that there are the thoughts that that was the logo and TCU and Baylor weren't? No, no, had nothing to do with it. Look at TCU last year. Um, no, had nothing to do with it. How much more money will the 12 teams bring in than your current model? Uh, we don't know yet because we're, we're in the early parts of the conversation about television. Uh, I've seen some numbers quoted by reporters, uh, which I don't think are accurate. I think they're too high. Uh, but, but there will be more m- money coming into college athletics. Um, which will, will, for me, 
uh, from my perspective, uh, do do nicely in supporting uh, for all sports, from water polo to women's soccer to football. If, in fact, the expansion of the teams in the playoff did not bring in more money, would you do it? I think so. We should do it. Um, because it's, it's about participation, about more students, more players getting a chance to compete for the championship. So, yeah, I think I think we – it's a hypothetical question. No one can know. Sure. It didn't come to that. But I think we would have, yes. Bill, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Hey, it's really been fun. Let's do it again pretty soon. You don't want that. <laughs> we'll have you on Y'all again great. once uh, we start Listen, getting some answers. Thanks for your time. Your viewers need to know, your listeners need to know how smart you are and how up to speed you are on college athletics. I, I appreciate you. Thank you, Bill Hancock, College Football Playoff Committee Executive Director. A lot of you who are on the chat room as I'm asking questions, as Craig's asking questions, uh, I mean, I could ask the questions. I, I, I do think that uh, I do think that the logos are involved. Uh, I, I, I know that the schedules he brought up of 14, 15, uh, 14 TCU and Baylor, uh, the non-conference schedule for Baylor, obviously, that year, and, and they struggled with that for a long, long time. Um, you, that, uh, t- someone asked me to just call BS on him. I think the questions basically almost inferred that, not on so much Bill, but the way the system is bre- brought up, and we appreciate those of you noticing what we asked. Yeah, I mean, uh, interesting stuff there. I mean, at some point, I just didn't have anything really to, to add because there are so many, you know, I guess ways things are answered. That, you know, I just didn't know how to broach it or, or what have you, but appreciate his time uh, and contributions. But, um, yeah, I do think that there's a little bit of truth, but also a little bit of like, ah, I'm not so sure about that because I absolutely, for 100% fact, uh, feel like there is, or I say, Absolutely, for hundred percent. I one hundred percent believe that uh, that logos matter, and he can say it all day. I don't want to be disrespectful to somebody who just joined us, but he can say it all day. I'm still going to believe that. Um, I'm absolutely going to still believe that because I was there at that interview when we talked about it, and we talked about. Um, I, I brought it up before. I had a former Texas player that we know that um, knew some people on the committee when it first started out, and he passed along because Baylor was really good, TCU was really good, um, that at the time, at least, that the chances of one of those types of teams getting in were basically nil because they didn't feel like they could fill stadiums. And that was said by somebody close to the, the situation um, that, yeah, they'll never get in because they can't go you know, sell out the Rose Bowl or whatever. And that always stuck with me. Now, granted, TCU just made it last year, and I think they traveled pretty well, didn't they? So maybe they they broke that mystique of, you know, the smaller schools aren't going to be able to show up in droves and sell tickets. But I do think logos still matter. I think we'd be stupid to pretend like they don't matter. Uh, we'd be stupid. All these moves that make absolutely no sense that are all being done for money, and when you get this big pile of money potential, you're going to go choose the school that's not going to make as much money as a school that, that might if there's an even choice between the two. Um, I, I do think you're probably more often airing with the school that, that brings more money, so I do think that logos matter or eyeballs, but um, you know, it's kind of hard to really get into it, though, when you don't really want to focus on the 12 team and, and what that's going to look like and the fact that you can't even do that now because uh, there are still questions, although those questions may be wrapping up here in the next few days with the Pac-12. But, you know, I, I think right now everybody's so interested in that 12 team and what that's going to look like, and yet their focus is still kind of on, right, the uh, the four and then waiting out what's going to happen, um, which is understandable. But, yeah, I, I would 
love to have kind of had that cemented so that we could dive a little deeper on what the 12 team is going to look like because I think that's where you know the, the the giant interest is in this 12 team playoff and and people wondering like hey are we going to have a lifeboat are we going to have a, a lane to to go through that's reasonable if our you know two lane team is really good are they going to have a, a place and, and that's why I brought up the super leagues thing with him but yeah it's a uh, Interesting time. He was a part of a lot of interesting things in college uh, athletics uh, with the playoff being, you know, his his last prize before going off in the sunset and retirement uh, here at the end of his tenure. And I'm fascinated to see what the 12 teams looks like when all is said and done. And um, it'll be, you know, tremendous to see uh, what all that entails and to see what that ultimately looks like um, because it's going to be crazy. It's going to be massively different compared to, to what we've experienced, you know, even with the four-team playoff. All right, thank you to Bill Hancock. Also, Brett Daniels, who I've known since back in the 90s uh, when he was a media relations director uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, even late 80s, early 90s, and uh, gotten to know him. He has run a lot of these uh, college football playoff committees, a lot of the championships among many, many, many uh, major sporting events, and we appreciate Brett Daniels, one of the best Uh, in the business all right when we come back just around the corner we'll have mac Rhodes. we're going to read some of your responses in the chat room to our conversation with bill hancock and this is 365 sports pioneer steel and pipe 1943 they opened up their doors and they have survived it all the big huge stores that now come into cities and they have a lot of everything. And so because of that, they could also not charge as much. And you, it's your wallet. It's your budget. You have to get what you can afford. And it's very tempting to use these massive companies because you can save money here and there. Pioneer Steel and Pipe figured that all that out. They also realized that, and this is old school, but it shouldn't be. It should be now school, that a handshake and a friendship and a relationship and a partnership and all of that should come with it. Not just that you save an extra dollar or two, but also that you know who you're dealing with and you're supporting a company locally owned and operated since 1943. They learned a handshake and that responsibility of making sure you're happy, not just the first time, but you come back for more of what they have. Steel, metal, pipe, and more. And then all of a sudden, less than a year ago, they opened up a brand new store. They now have a big, big store, but they still have the values in the core of making sure you, the customer, is always right and always happy. They're on just east of 35 on Loop 340 and also Highway 6, and they have a 1,000 more products ever, 1,000 more products, 2,500-square-foot showroom. They are bigger, better, faster, and stronger like Texas State was against Baylor on Saturday, but they also have the core values of what matter to them, you, the customer, at PioneerBoys.com.
Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. It's another time to speak with Samantha Duvall from TexasBeefHouse.com. Handles the marketing and someone that you will talk to a lot when you do call for the great product of the Texas-raised Wagyu beef. It's college football season, tailgating. It's a big deal. People love to put beef and pork and chicken, etc. on the grill. Let me know what you have. We've got everything. If you've got a morning game, you can get our breakfast sausage or our bacon. You can tailgate with some breakfast tacos if you've got an afternoon or evening game. We, of course, got our hamburger patties, their half-pound patty, four patties to a package, and we even have jalapeno and cheese patties. They're amazing. They'll blow your mind. Just that extra flavor, not too spicy. They have a high-heat cheese, so they don't melt on the grill, and our patties don't shrink up on the grill either. Anytime you order, use our code SICKEM10 to get 10% off your order of $100 or more. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate. That's Samantha the Duval, TexasBeefHouse.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's David Smoke and Craig Smoke. Many of you on the chat room during the interview, and we appreciate the feedback on on the questions we asked, uh, we're not really sold on a lot of the answers we received today, uh, or at least the responses we received. 
Um, Car- Camelo, this is kind of not about Bill Hancock. How about take the conference winners and then bring in the BCS era computers to determine the rest? Even that system was never just completely correct. I mean, there were, again, remember the Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech try Big 12 title, and I know Texas fans will just like never get over that. And had it gone the other way, they had beaten Oklahoma, maybe Oklahoma fans, because the computer showed that. It all just depends on who your fans are, right? Uh, who your is it? But um, it's it's something that I do believe, and we've had Gene Taylor from Kansas State on, who's on the committee. Um, we've had others who are a part of the committee. There's a Jamie Colbert um, from Iowa State. We've had those who have been on the committee, Jamie. Um, Jimmy Pollard, excuse me, and they've discussed. They can't really talk too much about it, but I do believe that there. For example, if you go in with enough, if there's an extra at-large team, dependent on the Pac-12, if they add an extra at-large team, there is no question in my mind that that is an extra team for most likely the SEC or the Big Ten. No doubt in my mind. Now it's also up to the other conferences to put their big boy pants on and go win more big games. Like the ACC, I'm talking about not just the conference title holder or the Big 12, but go put your big boy pants on and win some of these games. Like, damn it, Texas Tech, you lose at Wyoming. All right, night game, Saturday night, uh, beat Oregon. They aren't favored to do so. Go beat Oregon. Baylor and Utah. Baylor's like a mentally and physically right now like a mushroom or a, a marshmallow. And we'll figure out a way. People have upset you before. Beat Utah. I know that's going to be a hell of a te- Texas, Alabama, for the Big 12 sake, even though Texas is basically attached to the SEC, win that game at least one game that counts right now when it comes to the Big 12, even though there'll be a lot of that, well, they're going to be a part of the SEC. But right now, they're a part of the Big 12. I saw a lot of this over the weekend. Big 12 was 10-4. and four, And, yeah, the losses, West Virginia, nationally ranked Penn State. Baylor, that, that just, ugh. What happened with them? Tech losing Wyoming and TCU losing to Colorado. There were 10 wins. There were 10. The problem is three of the teams you're expecting to be a part of the future of the Big 12 as far as knocking on the door, and some of them have TCU and Baylor, they lost. So it's, it, But I do think if there's an extra at-large team, there is no doubt in my mind that that is for the conferences like the Big Ten and the SEC. But you know what? you got to give the SEC credit. They win a bunch of big games over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that uh, there's not, you know, high percentage points for, oh, let's let's get a third Big 12 team in here. I, I don't think that that's anywhere in their, their way of thinking. But uh, as you said, the simple solution, like the simple solution to everything, the the simple solution to Tech fans being bummed out this week because their grand idea of what this season was going to look like got, you know, dusted in, in week number one in Laramie, Wyoming, or Baylor fans thinking what they thought about this season and the opportunity to be a Big 12 contender, which based on what we saw in game number one is a very long shot. Um, and TCU, is there any possibility they could run it back to the playoff despite having lost so much, that always seemed like a long shot, but could they be a 10-2 and two type of a team? Well, technically they still can be, but hopes of being anything that they were last year completely could put in week number one. So, you know, that's that's a bummer, but there's a lot of season left to play out. And, and yeah, I mean, the reason why uh, the SEC uh, gets the attention that it does is, one, because it's always been the most popular. 
It's always had the most rabid fan base. Like, that's not anything brand new. It's just the amount of marketing behind it is what was brand new. The amount of ESPN attention that was paid to it starting in the early 2000s was brand new, but the SEC was always a strong base. It was always, you know, a large portion of the college football fans out there. But what they did, to their credit, and it's not anything that can be challenged. It's not anything that can be denied. They went out and they won freaking football games. So for TCU, yeah, go win this weekend. You'll feel a lot better. Baylor, go beat Utah. You'll feel great. Um, you know, uh, especially in, in Tech's case, go beat Oregon at home at night and to go one and one and and you'll feel a lot better about it as well. It, it, point being, winning's all that matters. <laughs> winning changes everything. Now, is there a way to win where it can get ugly? Yeah, we've seen that, that also and that's not necessarily worth the risk, but um, you know, you want to feel better. You want to change the status quo of the college football playoff. You want to turn it on its head. You want to prove that this conference or this team or whatever is overrated. Go out and win and go out and beat them eventually, and, and there's there's how you prove it. Um, but, you know, until then, every time the, the national championship rolls around, it's one of Alabama or Georgia or LSU or Florida or whatever, and then occasionally a Clemson jumps in there. Well, I mean – the proof's in the pudding, and, and they win. And that's that's what, uh, you know, any other league, whether it's the Pac-12 this last run or uh, the ACC uh, moving forward, they want to cement themselves. You know, they've actually, you know, they've had Clemson get in there. They feel good about Florida State. But, yeah, you just got to go and win. And that's something the SEC's done better than anybody for a long time now. By the way, thanks to Houston, Cincinnati, Brigham Young, it wasn't easy. And Sam Houston State is better than you think, I'm telling you. And then also thanks to uh, UCF for taking care of their business. And then the others, including Oklahoma State, Kansas, K-State, Iowa State, Texas, and also Oklahoma. Yeah, some of those look better than others for sure. Um, I think there's a lot of questions in Stillwater. I think there's, uh, you know, a lot of places that we can go and, and say there. I think there's still questions in Texas. I, you know, I think we'll find out a lot of those, though, uh, this weekend. Not to say that they're not good by any means. I just, you know, it wasn't like one, week one just blew you away. But I also know that that's not necessarily, that wasn't their Super Bowl. And they have eyes very much on week two. So I'm... Really excited to see what they look like and, and how they try and flex their muscles this weekend. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just want to – you'd rather – you know, you say, like, well, not everyone is created equal or whatever. I'm telling you right now, everybody feel a lot better, even if as bad as Baylor played. If they won, it uh, still would be a lot of angst, but at least you won. The yeah. fact that you lost is what makes the, the, the big, you know, dagger that it feels like uh, these last few days. Well, I had a chance yesterday to sit down with Dave Aranda, the postgame Saturday night, and also his presser yesterday – and we played that yesterday. We're now joined by Baylor Director of Athletics, Mac Rhodes, on 365 Sports with Craig and, and David Smoke. Um, I'm not being flippant here, but how difficult have the last couple of days been for you? Um, no, I appreciate the, the, the question. And, um, you know, I want to be really transparent and candid. Um, they haven't been a lot of fun. You know, I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, you know, but um, hasn't hasn't been the the end of the world either. You know, I, I think that um, you know the the loss Saturday night was certainly you know at best disappointing. Um, I think Smoke, you you used the the word unacceptable in the in the in the press conference, and um, you know I wouldn't wouldn't disagree with that one one bit um and uh so um you know that that makes for a, a very you know difficult saturday night sunday you know um even even going into a into a monday 
But um, I think the the other side of it is, um, you know, uh, you uh, if you've been doing this long enough, and I, I've been doing it for for a while, um, you know, this isn't you know the first difficult loss in in terms of um, you know um, expectations and and all of that and uh, you know as you as you begin a begin a season and so you you try to focus and uh, I think we've we've been focused on how do you react you know when when something like that happens you've got to look at it straight straight in the eyes um, you know uh, right in the right in the face and and uh, and and deal with it deal with it head on and so you know that's that's how you know I think my energy and, and coach Aranda's energy is is best is best utilized is you know how do you how do you uh, how do you react right you, you certainly have a, a chance to, to, to process and you know um, I could you know, I'm I'm okay with saying I was pretty dang angry after after the game, and uh, but you're you're not going to make you know probably good decisions when you're when you're emotional and, and when you're and when you're angry, and so you know how do you how do you get through that, and then again um, make make decisions that are constructive, that are that are that are positive, and that that are you know so supportive uh, moving moving forward um, you know what's what's that old saying that you know um, you hate losing more than more than you love winning and you know that that probably best describes me and um, so yeah not a lot of fun didn't didn't like it and would would much rather be in a in a different place but uh, this is where we're at and uh, we've got to we've got to find the the best pathway forward. And uh, you know, I think Coach Coach Aranda, you know, he's he's certainly you know measured with his emotions. But but I can tell you, equally disappointed, angry, um, unacceptable, all of those things. Back, uh, like I know we're not going to like diagnose the game by any means, and you have to be measured as well. But maybe what was the most uh, surprising, disappointing thing uh, that you felt in watching that unfold on Saturday night? Yeah, um, you know, coach and I have spent spent a little bit of, of, of talking, you know, time talking, you know, afterwards, and you know, I think for me, um, and again, it's not like. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a football coach. Um, it's, um, you know, it's not like, you know, I had watched any, any tape, but I just, just felt like we, we didn't execute and, and, uh, and like I thought I would, or like I've seen us execute in, in practice. And, um, and then, you know, just maybe some some lack of juice, some some lack of energy, and um, you know, I've been to enough practices this this fall camp where um, what you what you saw in, in practice in terms of 
uh, the competitiveness, how how hard we fight, uh, how uh, hard we go in practice, um, the the level of execution. Um, you just you know opposite of, of what we saw saw Saturday night. So um, gotta gotta get it corrected. And um, you know one of the one of the the, the, the great qualities of, of Coach Aranda is he's got great instincts. He's got uh, as good as instincts as, as I've ever been around, and he just he just needs to trust those. And um, and uh, and again, you know what whatever you know he his gut is telling him in terms of you know tweaking or changing, um, he'll he'll do that. And, um, so, but, but that, to answer your question, Craig, that's, that's probably what, what surprised me most. Uh, there are three notches on a heating pad. Usually there's like, you turn it on and there's like a light and then it gets like orange and then it gets red. Is there a heating pad on the football program? Mm, I, you know, I, I, you know, you guys, you know, you guys could probably answer that, that, that better than, than I could in terms of the, the external, right. Um, I'm, I'm focused on, you know, what we're, what we're doing internally and, um, and our processes and, and accountability and, and all of those things. And so, um, you know, I, I would say that, um, you know, there's, there's some discomfort because, um, you know, that, that did not, live up to, to expectations and I think anytime you don't you don't live up to, to expectations there's there's discomfort and uh, you know I think that discomfort is is from within it's not it's not externally uh, applied at all again not focused there it's, it's internally uh, uh, applied and you know I, I think coach Aranda um, you know puts it on himself puts it on his coaching staff, puts it on, on our student athletes. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think there's some, some discomfort. Mac, uh, I know there's always pressure to win. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's what it all boils down to. And, and uh, coach Randy even said that on Monday, like in the one-on-one conversation of like, I, I know it's all about winning, but given the landscape, is there more of a pressure than ever before, especially when you see, you know, similar schools, whether it's a TCU going to the playoff or it's SMU joining the ACC or just all the, all the different things that are going on, the NIL rat race, is there more amplified pressure, especially of, of being worried about, you know, kind of flatlining and, and losing your so- spot, so to speak, or is that just something that, that us on the outside, you know, think is, is actually going on? Yeah, I, Craig, it's a great question. Um, you know, and – and you know where we where we are in terms of college athletics. I, I do think there's less patience, you know, in terms of uh, winning. And um, and so um, you know, do I personally feel feel more pressure? I I you know to to be honest, with you, I try to stay away from that stuff. I try to just you know focus on what's what's going to make us better, what's going to make us make us great, right? And if that's where you're you're spending your your energy, you know the the rest takes takes care of it itself. Um, you know the 
is is there pressure for Baylor football to have a, a, a winning season? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, life's much better uh, if we if we're we're having a winning winning football season. Life's much better for for this for this institution, for the university, for for our alums, for for donations, for enrollments, for sponsorship, for ticket sales. You know, you can you can go on and on. And so, um, do we do we do we need to win? Yeah, absolutely. We we need to win. And uh, you know, again, Saturday wasn't wasn't a great start to to uh, to, to this season, um, but it's it's one game. And you know, how do we how do we react, right? Um, how do we react? You know, whether it's it's Saturday at, at 11 a.m. or you know the the following weekend versus a, a Long Island or, or the following weekend versus a, a, a University of, of Texas. Um, you know, we we still have the opportunity in front of us to to have a a, a great season, but um, it's it's going to be about how we how we react and uh and and that certainly began you know that that saturday right right after we walked off off the field mac you mentioned donors etc uh and there are certain schools that you hear about it can be almost like very uncomfortable even if you're winning maybe auburn maybe at times even texas and there's some schools where that involvement is very um it's constant did you have any kind of conversations that anyone from administration or anyone from the donor base contact you and demand something? Absolutely not. Um, you know, um, look, I've got, I've got complete confidence in, in coach Aranda and it's, it's my job when, when it's, when it's going well and it's my job when it's, when it's when it's difficult to to find the best way that that I can support him, his staff, our our student athletes, so that that we can be we can be successful. Um, but you know, no phone calls from 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 anyone. Um, again, you know, I think there's I think there's this this you know this this line of um you know you can way overreact which which isn't 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 good right and so you you've got a, a dutch oven and and you can you can turn up the heat way too much and and what's in the oven burns right and then you can you can way underreact as well and uh and so you you under underreact or you you put the, the the Dutch oven on too low of heat, then then the food just spoils and and nothing changes. And I and so I think you know finding that that right medium in terms of you know how how you react and you know focus on the things that that you can control. Um, what's what's priority what what needs to be tweaked what what needs to be be changed right and and go at it 
and and put all your your effort your effort there and um, and and move forward. And so um, I think that's that's what we've done this 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 week. It's one thing because of the frustration or whatever the word used with Texas State, but now there's a program that's lost five in a row, and there's a lot of money that you put into football because football pays for basically everything else along with Scott Drew and men's basketball. Is that something you ever you saw happening? Say that again. I'm not sure what no, – I'm not sure. It, it's one what, thing – what, what it, yeah, It's one thing for people to be angry and want, like, to, to like – say things right now because it's Texas State and it's a school that Baylor should not lose to despite all due respect to G.J. Kenny and I've known him since he's a high school player. But it's also a five-game winning streak for the program that feeds everything you have in athletics other than men's basketball and even then. Is that something you actually ever saw happening? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that, you know, we – we, you know, predicted, you know, five games ago that, that we were going to go on a, on a, on a five game, you know, negative, negative streak. Um, you know, there was, you know, certainly, you know, no, no internal in indications. And, you know, I, I think despite all of the, the, the stuff that I've been involved with conference wise, that I've, I've been, you know, pretty pretty in tune in terms of football, and you look at recruiting classes, and we've stayed pretty consistent. You know, in terms of in terms of rankings, and you know, I'm not a big rankings person, but they give you you give you a, a, a general idea. You know, the the accountability piece. I I think you know Dave has certainly spoke to that, and I think there's been you know, strive positive movement forward. Um, you know, I love the, the three coaches that, that we've, we've brought in, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that are here with us, you know, uh, two of them the, the first time and, and then Matt college re returning. And so, you know, um, you, you look at, you know, the strength and conditioning component, the nutrition component, you know, all of those things. Um, and, you know, we, we certainly sat down at the end of the year, Coach Aranda and I and, and, and Jovan, and, and talked about all of those things and what needs to get better, what what can we approve upon. And so, you know, I don't know that, you know, there were any, any signs or indications or that you could you could predict that, you know, we, we'd have this, this five-game game stretch. And, um, you know, but it's it's where we're at. And, um, you know, we've got to – we've dug ourselves a hole and we've got to fight and scratch our, our way, you know, climb out of it, period. And uh, that's that's what we're going to do. Yesterday when I was talking to Dave Aranda about maybe uh, they misjudged the talent or the recruiting or whatever, he discussed this uh, – obviously the culture, the fit. You hear that a lot. And you hear that a lot with what Dave Aranda has said. And even you've mentioned it as well. But it sounded to me, and I actually just, I hated to, but I, I said, but you got to win. Is it harder to recruit players, or is it set up as a disadvantage for Baylor on the players you need to recruit to play football here? Yeah, probably, you know, 
Um, yes and yes and no. I, I think take take Baylor out of it, right? And and whatever admissions processes, policies, you know, things that 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 you go through here, right? Um, I think we we still there is a a type of young person that that we're we're going to recruit, right? Um, we're gonna you know, try to recruit somebody that, you know, has a, has a, has a good heart, somebody that has, you know, uh, great work ethic, somebody that, you know, we know that um, will come here and, and want to, want to get better and, and really take that serious um, that has, that has, you know, great, great upside, somebody you know that that understands that it's not just about about themselves, but it's it's about you know uh, also being part of a team and a and a and a and a great teammate. And uh, certainly, you know, we're not we're not sitting here, you know, trying to recruit this this perfect person. Um, we we all know, right? That that doesn't doesn't exist, and so. I think there is a, a certain type, you know, of, of, of young person where we're trying to recruit that has these, these specific in particular, you know, attributes and, you know, Dave, Dave could go into it even, even deeper than, than, than what I'm going into it. And then, and then you have just, you know, some, some university processes and, and things that, um, that, that we, you know, need to go through and have to go through. And, and some of it is, you know, quite frankly, because of what we went through, you know, um, what, eight years ago, uh, seven years ago, um, nine years ago. And, and so, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, uh, any of the, 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 the processes and those things are, are excuses for not for not recruiting you know at a at a uh, at a high caliber and and we've talked about it before you know Baylor's not for for every every you know student student athlete and so um you know I I think you know I think we've got really good good talent on this on this team and uh, and it was was um, you know good talent that that didn't certainly didn't play well on 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 Saturday and you know it's it's Coach Aranda's responsibility and and our and our staff to make sure that doesn't happen again. Mac, there's a player that was supposed to be a part of the roster at a Johnny Carter from Utah State. A Johnny, uh, yeah, Carter from Utah State, who's a pretty good player. But he put out a note, I guess it was over the weekend, that he would not be attending Baylor. And, and I understand that there are transfer and credits, and I don't know what it's like compared to when I went to school because that was so long ago. Is, is there any kind of uh, holdup when it comes to transcripts and credits or what transfers from an, a, an athlete from another school to Baylor? And should that not be something that has to take so long, or is that like an NCAA issue? Yeah, you know, without going too deep into that, um, you know, we we had some challenges with with the uh, with the transfer admittance process 
um, with, you know, with a Johnny and uh, this particular, you know, circumstance. And, and I think there was some, some nuance to it. And, uh, you know, it, it's stuff that, um, you know, we, we talk about and uh, it's, it's stuff that, that I've talked about and, you know, there's, there's, you know, some, some tweaks I, I believe that, that uh, we need to, we need to work on as a, as a, as an institution um, when we think about, you know, just the whole, you know, new world of, of transfers, you know, particularly obviously because of the transfer portal and the countable hours, and um, you know, you you have to have a, a certain amount of hours to 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 be awarded an undergraduate degree from from Baylor, and so those are all things that you know um, didn't didn't hit us by, by surprise. Those are all things that, you know, we're, we're having conversations about. All right. My last question, Mark Harlan, you know him well, you probably spent a lot of hours on the phone with him that week of the PAC 12 and the three new schools. He's now a part of the college football playoff committee. How much did you get to know him that week when Utah was on the fence? Yeah, I mean, I've known Mark since I was, you know, the athletic director at the University of Houston, and and uh, and he was the athletic director at at South Florida. So, you know, our relationship goes back, you know, years and years ago. And so, you know, I would I would describe our relationship as a as a as a true friendship. And you know, um, obviously, you know, we we uh, we stayed close and were close. Um, throughout the whole conference, you know, discussions and, and conversations. And, um, you know, I'll uh, look forward to, in fact, I was on the phone with him, you know, earlier today. And uh, we were talking about, you know, football scheduling in the future, not not necessarily, you know, uh, Baylor, Utah, but but just, you know, as it relates to the uh, the Big 12 conference and, and how do we how do we do this? How do we? How do we move forward? But uh, he's a good friend, and I look forward to, to seeing him on on Saturday. So, you know, and look, I here's here's what I want our, our fan fan base to know is, you know, I I certainly understand their their frustration with the loss, um, and they should be frustrated, um, and and they should should expect more. And um, again, as as I said. You know, at the beginning of the broadcast, um, you know that that loss and that that is the you always got to be careful because you know I've got great respect for for Doc Coriel, the the athletic director, and Coach Kenny, and, and Texas State University. Um, so, you know, I always want to be be mindful of that. But um, you know that that loss and, and, or maybe, maybe not the loss necessarily, maybe the, uh, a better way to, uh, in a more respectful way to say it, the way we played, uh, in that game, uh, was, was unacceptable and, and we got to get better. Thanks for your time. We'll see you Saturday. Mac Rhodes, Baylor in Utah, 11 o'clock on Saturday at McLean stadium. Speaking of that, uh, around the corner in about 25 minutes or so, we'll hear from, uh, 
Kyle Whittingham, the head coach at Utah, had a conversation I was able to also get from him earlier today. I want to say this from in the chat room, and, and I know that some of you uh, on how with Mac, nobody in the country as an AD gives us, gives anybody the access that we get with him. And it's from uh, the time we've spent since he arrived at Missouri in 2016. He never, in my opinion, has truly dodged any kind of question. I have never been told you can't ask that. That's never been in play. There are, you think about some of what he's dealt with since he arrived, and then, like, losing a football game, yeah, it's horrible, the way, especially the way it went down. But he's dealt with a lot more after that. I mean, since he, with what he started with when he walked in the door in 2016. But I do want sometimes to focus more on what the way he responds than the fact that he's there when it would have been really easy for him to say, I'm not available this week. Yeah, I mean, we had much tougher conversations than a silly old loss uh, when he first got the job. Uh, there were a lot worse subjects to have to talk about, and uh, I think he's always been as open as he can. I think also people get lost in that you can't just go there and just say whatever you want willy-nilly and just like, I mean, I'm sure you love it if Mac Rose got on here and just roasted Dave Aranda and roasted, you know, like uh, the defense. and But, like, he can't do that. It can't, I mean, we, we got to have realistic expectations as well. And look, it is the first game of the season. Like, want to just burn it all down after week one? Or do you want to maybe, like, go upset Utah? I know that seems like a far-flung idea. But, look, crazier things happened this past weekend that nobody was expecting. So, yeah, it's, it's easy to say when you're just sitting back and, and um, you know, enjoying it. And I understand that. But, you know, he's he's got to be professional about it as well and can't just go on here hellfire and brimstone after one loss and you know burn down the forest around him that he's helped create so uh yeah there's there's a little bit more to it than just you know a shoot interview basically but I I think given you know the subjects that we've discussed with him time and again uh and just over the course I I know there's other ADs that do interviews I think there's more ADs now doing interviews because of a segment like Mac Rhodes that's become so popular has been you know newsworthy at times and all that um, I think we get way more from him than we don't. And, uh, yeah, I, I'll never want to stop doing that segment and, and getting his insights, even if he can't always answer things the way we want them answered at that moment and how we want it said and all of that. I think sometimes that's our brains not really realizing that there's another person and other people involved and that you can't just willy-nilly say whatever at any given moment just because Fred wants to you know hear it and feel better about the loss on Saturday. With all due respect, Fred and whoever else is out there, but, um, yeah, I think he's as transparent as he can be given the circumstances. And I think well, – I, I don't know what you need to hear from him from that interview. If if you're wanting to know if Dave Aranda's under pressure, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty clear. I think he just ended it by saying that fans should be frustrated and expect more with the way that they played and that the game was unacceptable and they've got to play better. I mean, I think he – I think he doesn't necessarily have to say everything a certain way for you to still get the – the well, cut of what uh, he's trying uh, to say. The heating pad. Yeah. And as an analogy, yeah. there's ways you could ask questions. Yeah. Like, I could come out, is Dave Aranda going to get fired if they lose? Uh, there's ways to ask a question and also keep integrity in it. And and there's also ways uh, to just not ask it at all. But using the heating pad analogy, and thanks a lot to a lot of you that, that recognize what I was trying to do, just like with questions yesterday for Dave Aranda. Listen. It's, uh, it's been a hard week. It should be a hard week. It should be an uncomfortable week for everybody within that football program and even others. And I also know that there were a lot of requests, and I'll say this from the website, and Craig's off the radar is next. Uh, no, 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 it is. And we got time. 
the um, the the questions about game day atmosphere and uh, the lack of a new hype video uh, and, and you know the tailgate guys and all that. I we've had those conversations with Javon and even Mac a couple of different times over the years. Today was not the day for me to talk to Mac Rhodes about the game day environment, the music, the hype videos. You may disagree, and that's fine. I'll, I'll agree to disagree. Today was not about that. And at some point, we'll try to figure out a way to have that segment for you if you want that, too. Uh, yeah, I uh, was doing the pot, and I don't have a rush. I don't have much to, to discuss in that segment, but uh, outside of college football ratings, really, and, and maybe a couple of other things. But it's weird. It's like the days when I don't have much time, there's like 15 stories, and the days where I do, there's like two. But um, I was doing the podcast earlier, the BearCast, and like four or five of the questions were about game day atmosphere. And... Um, you know, certainly understand where people are coming from. I also know I've never seen those questions after a win that I can recall. It's always after a loss. It's always when things are bad where it's all of a sudden we start nitpicking every little thing. Now, I will say, I also am not in those seats. I don't sit in the crowd. I don't go right. to concession stand. Like, I don't know what the game day experience is like. We're here up until 30 minutes, and then it takes 20 minutes to get one mile to the stadium, and I walk in at kickoff. That's been the regular occurrence. Like, literally, as the ball's kicking off is when I get into the press box, and I don't waste any time leaving from here in the pregame show. Um, so I don't take in all of the other things that that fans um, who are just there to watch the game do. And so sometimes we just don't understand the frustration. Other times, like, I will say one thing that was pointed out, the just rehashing the same old hype video, if that's the case, and again, I didn't see it, but I saw that mentioned a couple of other places. If that's the case, I will say I do think that's a little bit lazy. Like, I, I think the least you can do is have a brand-new hype video for a brand-new team in a brand-new season. If that is what happened, then I then I will agree that, you know, that's a little and silly. And I don't even know the story there. And I, we don't I, even I, know. Like, I mean, we're in the press box, and we walk in the door I'm about the time the that. National Anthem I just starts. explained yeah. that. But, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, I understand where you might have a minor complaint there, but I don't. I don't know what to tell you, and I don't know what to tell you about the game day atmosphere, and we can ask questions from time to time on that, but I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Like, the, the game itself and the way they played and the loss and what's next and Dave Aranda and all of those things are just way higher on the top of my care list than the concession stand. I'm sorry, but, you know, that's just a different conversation for a different day and definitely not this day with this conversation with Matt Carodes. All right, when we come back, Craig will have – what his version of is of off the radar. There are some college football numbers that came back from the weekend, including that Florida State LSU game. And then Kyle Whittingham, the head football coach of a program I have tremendous respect for, and I cannot wait because they could be a problem and will be a problem when they join the Big 12, but they're a problem right now for the Pac-12 and also Baylor. Kyle Whittingham around the corner, and this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for great customer service, great pricing, and uh, a great deal and just great uh, fit. We know whatever you're looking to get into, car, truck, or SUV, Richard Carr has a lot of great deals and a lot of great offerings on their lot right now. And you can go on over to the dealership uh, and talk to them in person and uh, get their, uh, you know, 
talks on the financing that they have and the vehicles that they have and all that. You can go visit the website, get a lot of the information there as well. You can always give them a phone call uh, and get information that way. But regardless of however you try uh, to go and find that new car, truck, or SUV or the uh, repairs that you're looking for, uh, right now Highway 6 is a mess out in front of the dealership. So uh, they want you to know that if you're one of those people that's looking to buy a car, they're wanting to make it as easy as possible for you right now to buy a new Buick GMC or Cadillac. They've got dozens of Sierras on the lot. The pricing and the financing and the inventory is all there. And right now, you can save thousands on 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s. And qualified buyers can finance for 0.9% financing. They've also got the ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. And the Buicks offering a luxury SUV without the luxury price. The Encore GX from the Buick line. Right now, you can save 3250 on the new 2023 Buick Encore GX for qualified buyers and get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2024. They've also got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks, many of them under $25,000, and their financing philosophy is 100% credit approval. They say yes when others say no. And if you're not looking to buy a car, you've already got one, and you're not looking to uh, drive anything else anytime soon, but you need an oil change or you need something uh, dent fixed or whatever the case may be, you just want to make sure it's still operating in tip-top shape. Their award-winning service department is standing by as well to keep you on the road. You can set an appointment by giving them a phone call, showing up in person uh, while you're, you know, maybe looking at uh, other things and uh, set it that way. Or uh, while you're scanning the lot, you can uh, talk to the customer service folks and set up that way. Or you can visit the website uh, as well. So whatever you're looking to do, buying new, buying pre-owned, or just getting the car that you're in fixed up. For 24 years in Central Texas, Richard Carr has built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs run by proud Central Texans and proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa drap, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. 
Pico Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bars, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult tennis lessons in clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at wacotennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com. All right, welcome. It's Off the Radar for those who are just joining us uh, perhaps for the first time or maybe you just don't catch us normally on a Tuesday or Thursday at around 445 or 458. This is a segment where we'll take a look at a grab bag of stories from around the world of sports, and it'll all just depend upon, like, really what's in the, the headlines or what uh, other little side stories maybe that I come across that are of interest. And certainly waiting for this segment to, to spike a little bit, given football season is here and there should be no shortage of headlines. But really, we cover a lot of things. And uh, I want to start off, though, with something that we haven't had uh, available here lately, and that is uh, college football ratings, and in particular, that Florida State-LSU game on Sunday night. I am not uh, – we got deep into the ratings talk when it came to college football realignment. Of, you know, you might have seen the charts and all of that about, like, what Cal gets versus what Oklahoma State gets and why that all mattered. And some people said it didn't matter at all, and it turns out that it absolutely did matter in the long run. But nevertheless, um, I don't do this to pit ACC fans versus SEC fans, but if you want to have fun with that and brag about ratings – Entirely up to you, but I just like looking at them to kind of see where where the fandom is right now. So, what was the guess on what LSU and Florida State would be? Where did everybody kind of fall in this? I thought I said last week. Correct me, Garrett, if I'm wrong, that it would probably reach between eight and ten million people. Yeah, it was eight to ten. That's what you said. Eight to ten million, and I forget what. Uh, and I based that I think on last year's game between Texas and Alabama. Yes, I think I believe yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, I think it was based on that and. Um, that was a, a very fair guess, and uh, you land right in that. 9.1 million was the average viewers uh, on ABC over on Sunday night, up 20% uh, from the matchup between um, Notre Dame and Texas, which was the previous biggest Sunday Labor Day weekend big college football showdown. That took place back in uh, 2016. That was actually a, a 10.9 million, so that was higher but the same matchup uh, last year, it was above by 20%. So 9.1 million viewers last year, FSU and LSU was 7.6 million viewers. So certainly I think FSU being a bit hotter, I think just expectations with Brian Kelly and LSU really sizzled this well, uh, sizzled, uh, added some more sizzle to this one, uh, but not quite Notre Dame, Texas in 2016, but 
Uh, not far off either, necessarily. Uh, so $9.1 million for uh, LSU and Florida State yeah. on ABC. Yeah, I, I just felt like that's an 8 to $10 million game. Alabama, Texas could be 10-plus. Yeah, that'll be uh, it, it's, right there, yeah. The, just because you have two ranked teams. You have two, one that's been like the, really the, the godfather of college football the last 10 or 12 years, even though what George has done. And then you have a team that is always going to have people on eyes on them because of because of their history, their tradition. And there's a lot like, okay, wait a minute, are they really uh, to a point where they can compete? And they did last year. And I think that also brings it into the, the, who they are because that game last year was so close. I think this is going to be a. I think they'll be over 10 million at some point watching this game. Yeah, that's uh, very possible, and I think that's uh, very likely as well. I mean, just given who you're dealing with, I just mentioned like that Notre Dame Texas game that was seven years ago and that was nearly two million more than what watched florida state lsu so i don't know if you contribute some of that to cord cutting but i think you also absolutely uh, attribute it to the brands and florida state lsu pretty big brands but texas and alabama or notre dame just slightly uh bigger so yeah i think that texas bama matchup is going to pop absolutely huge the peak of it was 10.3 million viewers at one point in time so that etched uh, uh up near uh, what that notre dame and texas number from a few years ago had been um but yeah i mean pretty healthy number elsewhere some of the other standouts uh standout games uh west virginia and penn state averaged 3.7 million viewers that was the debut of the new uh prime time big 10 game uh so 3.7 million viewers for the mountaineers and the Nittany Lions, second most watched Labor Day weekend game since 2015 uh, for the network, which was Notre Dame and Michigan uh, back in uh, back in 2018 that had 7.2 million. And uh, don't have a full listing uh, because that will come out tomorrow of like what everybody had and where all of the top ranked games were. But yeah. so just a little taste today. But on Thursday's edition of this uh, very same segment, then we can get into like where everybody was. But really, just throwing out some of the uh, the headliners there. So yeah, nine point one with a high of ten point three for LSU, Florida State, and a healthy number there of three point seven million for West Virginia and Penn State. But looking forward to seeing uh, some of those other numbers uh, coming out uh, tomorrow. And I told you, kind of. Uh, kind of thin elsewhere a lot of it really kind of quite frankly is uh, a lot of sports media news except for one story which was uh, the Chiefs and tight end Travis Kelsey a little bit uh, of a nervous I think uh, nervous little story here for the Chiefs who have been you know the story of the NFL and of pro sports now in in America for uh, the last what two three four years I mean Patrick Mahomes arguably you know certainly one of but I don't know where you'd rank him as far as popularity like behind Steph Curry in front of Steph Curry at this point I don't know but he's right up there um and anytime that you know uh, the Chiefs are mentioned uh, as far as where you expect them to to end up I mean so long as they keep their core group of guys together in particular Patrick Mahomes Travis Kelsey uh you're gonna feel good about their direction well we haven't seen one game yet, and already Travis Kelsey uh, dealing with a little bit of inflammation in his knee. He'll get more tests tomorrow to determine whether or not he'll be available for the season opener coming up on Thursday night uh, when the Chiefs will take on the Detroit Lions. Uh, Andy Reid had called it a hyperextended knee uh, during uh, practice earlier today, uh, but said they'll follow the next steps. And also, uh, they believe that his ACL is intact. So, some good news, although I think you're still kind of holding your breath until you know for sure for the Kansas City Chiefs fans out there. 
but it doesn't appear to be an ACL for Travis Kelsey, although there are more MRIs. And certainly, based on a lot of the reactions coming out uh, when that news first hit, a lot of fears about it being far more serious. And then what does that even mean? Like, Patrick Mahomes is great, but if he didn't have Travis Kelsey, like, what does that even look like? We don't know, really. So uh, that's something to definitely monitor. And I'm sure there's also the fantasy heads out there that are like, <laughs> there's Garrett Bro, right there. Like, he yeah. was my first pick. He was your first he was pick, my Travis first Kelsey? Pick. Wow. You, wow. Took, you know what? Because you would never otherwise, a Gronkowski would be a guy that you would yeah. do, but you'd never take a tight end, but he's not a tight end. He's different. He's a freaking hybrid, yeah. you know, and he's really good at it. Yeah. Yeah, he's built different. So just something to monitor there uh, with Travis Kelsey. But that's the kind of thing that will bring down the kingdom, so to speak, or, or injuries like that. Uh, that will will definitely create a little bit of chaos that you haven't necessarily had to deal with all that much before on this great run of theirs. So there's a little NFL note for you. For those that didn't join us earlier, uh, it's a rundown of the AP Top 25. Georgia, 58 first-place votes. Not unanimous, though. Michigan, the number two team in the country, got a couple of first-place votes. Bama up to number three. Florida State up to number four. And Florida State also receiving three first-place votes. Ohio State uh, drops slightly um, and rounds out the top five there. You got USC, Penn State, Washington, Tennessee, and Notre Dame uh, rounding out the top ten there. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, a good week for the Pac-12. And, and based on where things stand now, two top 25 games uh, coming up in uh, the uh, in this upcoming weekend. Alabama and Texas and Tuscaloosa will officially be three versus 11. Um, and then Ole Miss at Tulane this weekend. It'll be the number 24 Green Wave hosting the number 20 Ole Miss Rebels. So those are your two ranked versus ranked matchups uh, based on the polls released earlier today. Uh, elsewhere, uh, Chris Mortensen has announced his official retirement from ESPN after 30-plus years. Uh, he is walking away. He's dealt with a lot of health issues uh, here as of late, and uh, he announced officially on his Twitter page today, excited about another season, but it's time Time to reveal after my 33rd NFL draft in April, I made a decision to step away from ESPN and focus on my health, family, and faith. The gratitude and humility is overwhelming. He also went on to say, it's not a classic retirement. I'll still be here talking ball. It's just time. God bless you all. So Chris Mortensen officially calling it a career and, uh, not surprised because he has been dealing uh, with a, a lot of um, health issues and throat cancer uh, being the one that's really uh, created a lot of havoc for him. So I'm um, not surprised uh, that, especially having seen him the last couple of times, it was kind of rough, you know, uh, seeing him yeah. on TV and just knowing that, like, you know, kudos to you, but you're clearly struggling and, man, just hats off and salute. But uh, one of the best and certainly a guy yeah. who I can't think of my childhood growing up or watching the NFL without thinking of Chris Mortensen in some form or fashion. Yeah, and as I get older and as we all get older, we start to see those that we grew up. You got Chris Mortensen, first of all, a hell of a nice man, really nice man. And uh, he and like Sal Palantonio, among others, Ron Jaworski, people who I've gotten not to know like I text him, but I have numbers where they've appeared on the show. And Chris Mortensen was always a gentleman. And not to mention, damn good at his insight when it comes to the NFL. I saw a tweet from uh, Adam Schefter who said that he learned how to work hard and due diligence and all the other things you have to do uh, by watching and being around Chris Mortensen. And a final note for you here, another sports media one, uh, but uh, the NFL Network announced their new analyst for this upcoming season. And there's a little Big 12 flavor here, but uh, you got – 
uh, former OC, a couple of former coaches and uh, head coach Leslie Frazier and also offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton, also former Super Bowl champion running back Robert Turbin uh, will also be a part of the lineup uh, for the new season of uh, coverage on NFL Network. Former Stanford head coach David Shaw. Uh, also will be a part of this. And then a couple of like Big 12 Hall of Famers, although are they now SEC Hall of Famers, but uh, Chase Daniel, longtime NFL quarterback, will be joining the NFL Network as an analyst, as will former Oklahoma standout and uh, all-pro defensive tackle Gerald McCoy. So they are amongst the new crop of players uh, and coaches uh, that will be joining as analysts. So a salute to that group. And uh, I'll be coming across probably each and every one of them at some point or another, but was a big Gerald McCoy fan um, and just loved that guy during his recruitment to Oklahoma. And then know he had to deal with some injuries at times at the pro level, but I think he'll make for a very good analyst. And Chase Daniel, I mean, we haven't necessarily seen him play a ton, even though we have, like, well, you know given what? over time. The, yeah, but, but, but that dude's been around the block for a long time now. And, I mean, he had a long time NFL career. So, uh, man, he was a pain in the – you know what, back in Missouri. Uh, he was a hell of a college quarterback. And a bit annoying, yep. quite frankly, yeah. if you weren't a Missouri fan. But, uh, man, what a storied career for him, uh, mostly as a backup. Uh, but, yeah, that's the new crop of talent. So, there you go. There's a few things off the radar. You had quite a bit. That's good. And we have plenty of time because the interview with Kyle Whittingham is from earlier today. We'll have that when we come back. I have to tell you, as we take the break, I love their style. I like his personality. They play like him, that ball of razor blades or whatever it is. Um, he has a, like a psychology degree. I brought that up early on with him and he was like kind of chuckling because that was a long time ago. I don't even remember the curriculum or whatever, but that's a part of it. He also got a master's in leadership. Uh, and his dad was a player and also a football coach. So all of that and more, I just like the way Utah plays football. I mean, I don't know how you can't, uh, like the way that they play football. I mean, maybe some other ways are snazzier, but, uh, the proof's in the pudding. Uh, they've, you know, won the pac 12, past couple years uh can't you know get uh, that rose bowl win that's been a little bit elusive but have made that game and uh they are you know you look at like last week's result and you talk about who can be the the team in the new big 12 i think there's going to be some hellacious matchups with a k-state versus a utah i think if baylor can get its bearings back and be more of what we've known them for sure tech um, you know, with Joey McGuire continuing to build. I mean, go on and on. I think they're going to have a lot of fun matchups. Colorado as well. I mean, Colorado and Utah, they're carrying the flag for the Pac-12 again, but um, Arizona schools need to buckle up a little bit. No, but, I mean, all seriousness, they, they really uh, made statements uh, a weekend one with Utah's win over Florida and then Colorado's win over TCU. So uh, that does, a little bit, does add a little bit of excitement about the future, and, and they are just very well coached. Baylor is going to have to play one heck of a game. And I know there's some familiarity there with uh, Dave Aranda and Andy Ludwig, their offensive coordinator from when they were both at Wisconsin. So uh, there'll be a a fun little chess match and friendship there as well. But, yeah, looking forward to hearing from uh, one of the best out there in Kyle Whittingham. And he will be next, Kyle Whittingham, Utah head football coach, two-time defending Pac-12 champions, and after this year will be a part of the Big 12. And I asked him about It's ironic they're playing Baylor this year, and he brought up next year's game, and he wasn't so sure, will that be a Big 12 game? But it will be played from basically he told me, and this is 365 Sports. Save big during the Labor Day sales event at Allen Samuels. Get a new Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months with no payments for 90 days at Allen Samuels in Waco. Come by. Let's be friends. 
Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday, a full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke. Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham with us, 365 Sports on David Smoke. And, Coach, i got to start off with this. I love your style, love the personality, I love the personality of your team. You have a master's in educational psychology and leadership. How much does that help you when it comes to coaching football and athletes? 
Well, you know, I, I guess some. I mean, it's been so many years since I, I got that degree, I can hardly remember the curriculum. But, it, you know, in order to be a head football coach, you got to have, uh, you know, some psychology to you. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And, and so I think that does help and play into it. But, uh, again, that was uh, decades ago, literally, that, uh, that I got that degree. Coach Aranda seems to have some of the psychology in the way he coaches a team. I know that Ludwig, your offensive coordinator, was on the same staff at Wisconsin. How much have you run into Coach Aranda? Not a whole lot, you know, in person. I know, you know, I've observed him, and I know uh, of uh, all the good things that he's done, uh, you know, in his stops along the way, and uh, excellent defensive coach. A uh, good friend of mine, Gary Anderson, was the, the head coach at Utah State, and Coach Aranda was up there with him as his D.C., and so, uh, you know, I follow his career and, and I'm very impressed by what he's done, but haven't had a lot of personal interaction with uh, Coach Aranda. You yourself have had to deal with the Cam Rising injury at quarterback, and now Baylor does not have Blake Shape, and he's out for at least two or three weeks, and Sawyer Robertson will start this week. Uh, is it easier or harder to prepare for a game when there's a quarterback change because of whatever reason? You know, I think it's probably uh, – sixes you know unless you don't know who to prepare for if there's a couple you know two guys that that you're not sure which one's going to play that makes it a little more difficult but if you're fairly certain you know which one's going to play then uh then uh, it puts the uh focus a little narrower for you and you're able to uh get ready and and really uh not uh, you know not very problematic you had the game thursday and so you have an extra couple of days to heal from that i know you've got bumps and bruises at various positions but how much does that in any way help when you have another game no matter who you're playing the next week i think it helps a bit um and we typically start off on thursdays that's been our history uh we've had far more Thursday opening games than, than Saturday, and so we're used to that routine and, and having that extra couple days to uh, to heal up, uh, regroup, uh, get your guys fresh, and so I think that's been a benefit for us, and, and like I said, that's been our MO for a lot of years now. Do you know much at all about Sawyer Robertson? You know, we've done our homework. Uh, you know, big, strong kid. Um you know, obviously Mississippi State, mm-hmm. Mississippi State transfer uh, from you know from the state of Texas went to high school in the state of Texas. So we we have done our homework and and uh, you know he looks like he's a good athlete and, and so we'll have to prepare accordingly. Is when you see what Baylor went through and everybody has days, but they got punched up pretty badly uh, at home against Texas State and that was a shock for a lot of people. But does that in a way? Does that even come into play with the preparation of your team emotionally or mentally on coming to here? Or is it, hey, listen, we know what they've been before. We've got to be prepared for everything. Definitely the latter. And that's the exact conversation we had in our team meeting uh, last Friday is, uh, hey, we're not going to see the same Baylor team that you're watching on tape. I mean, they're going to – they're smart uh, coaching staff. They're going to regroup. They're going to figure things out. They're going to fix deficiencies. And, you know, we told our guys you better be ready to have to play your best football to, to have a chance to get a win. How ironic is it that you're playing them? It's obviously the first time ever for Utah and Baylor. You're never played before. And here you are playing them this year with the changes coming up next year with the, the Big 12 adding you among three others? Yeah, that was ironic to say the least. And, and uh, you know, they're on the schedule next year as well. That's uh, when they come to us. And, and I don't know how they're going to handle that, mm-hmm. not them being Baylor, but the Big Big 12 as far as are they going to make that a conference game? Are they going to keep it a non-conference game? I guess that's being deliberated right now, and and uh, they're trying to figure out all those details. But but uh, it, it happened to us with two schools. I mean, BYU, who's a team that we've played yep. uh, 
uh, you know, almost on a yearly basis and has, has been a great rivalry, is in the same boat where we have them on the schedule next year as a non-conference, so we'll have to see how the, the Big 12 handles all that. You're a BYU graduate. We know about the rivalry with Brigham Young in Utah and now back in the same conference. Is, is that something you look forward to? Uh, you know what? I haven't really thought much about it at all, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we're just concerned on this with this year and, the, and our Pac-12 schedule and, and finishing our time in the Pac-12 the right way. But uh, you know, we've played them almost uh, every year. There have been some breaks in the action last year and this year, being one of those breaks. But uh, it's been pretty much an ongoing thing, uh, even when we were, you know, when they were independent and we were in the Pac-12. And so that's something that we're we're used to. Uh, it just now has uh, conference implications, and we'll take on more meaning because of that. Your father played the game. You played the game. He also coached for a couple of decades. How much of that is in your blood? Oh, a ton. In fact, you know, as a former defensive coordinator, he, he was a, a great defensive coach. And, and all my philosophies, techniques, fundamentals, you know, that I employed as a D coordinator come directly from him. And, and you know, the best defensive coach I've ever been around. I've been around a lot of good ones. And I and, uh, can't say enough good things about, uh, you know, what he taught me. And, and uh, you know, like I said, the, the defensive aspect of me is a direct uh, – extension of uh, what I learned from him what was the best advice or I know there was a ton and you just like soaked it all in but what was perhaps one of the best pieces of advice he gave you about coaching be consistent every day don't you know don't make sure the players know what to expect when they come in the building uh, you've got to have the same approach. Uh, players thrive on structure and discipline, and uh, if they know what to expect on a consistent basis, day in and day out, then that's when you're going to get your best results. Kyle Whittingham, head coach at Utah, with us on 365 Sports. I told you earlier I love the way your team plays. Somebody over during the off season, and this was when there was a lot of speculation about who's going to end up where, and my goodness, that lingered forever. But the Big 12 is about to get or have a team in their conference that is like playing a ball of razor blades. Do you like that comparison (laughs) i've never heard that that comparison but i'll take it i mean we we pride ourselves on on being a physical football team and and uh bringing the physicality every single week and and i guess a a ball of razor blades might be might be applicable yeah that's a that's a good one well and it is you, you talked about being consistent every day and here you are isn't that the way you do play as both sides of the football we hope to. I mean, that's our that's our objective is is to, uh, you know, be at that same level every week, be ready to play. You only get twelve of these opportunities that are guaranteed. You know, if you do well in those twelve, you're going to get get some uh, postseason play. But but uh, these these opportunities and these uh, these games are, are too precious to squander any of them. And that's something that we we harp on is you know no no regrets whatsoever. You you prepare the way you're supposed to prepare every single week and go into every single game with uh, complete preparation and and readiness to play. Do you like the way college football has changed dramatically released ever since the COVID with the realignment? That's always been in play, but that's even more full throttle. The transfer portal, NIL, has that take some time for you or you think coaches in general to get used to? Well, it has for me, but, you know, you got to embrace it and you got to, you know, you got to roll with the change and and, uh, be able to – you know, continue to, you know, just adapt, I guess is the word. Now, do I like it? Uh, you know, I'm, I grew up with college football being the same for years and years and years, and now all of a sudden it's upheaval 
seemingly every year. And, and so, you, like I said, you just got to uh, deal with it. Uh, the transfer portal certainly brought a, a huge different dynamic to the game, NIL, uh, conference realignment. I mean, we're in such a predatory mm-hmm. uh, era of college football, and it's not done yet. I can tell you that. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you the next two to five, six years, there's going to be another seismic shift, and it may, it may be – Maybe the final one, you know, when everything goes to super conferences, you know, one or two super conferences and breaks away from the NC2A and has their own playoff system and all that. I think I think that's on the horizon. What was it like not knowing? You had you knew this year, Pac-12, and what a great weekend. 12-0 and start, and USC won the week before. Was it something that, like, kept you not up but bothered you that you didn't quite know the future of where Utah would be until finally the decisions came down? No, not at all. I, I thought that we had a good enough body of work and were a, a, a big enough brand and, and had done enough things uh, that we would have a landing spot somewhere. I, I, I just felt that when the you know when all the dust settled, you know, University of Utah was going to be in a good place and and uh, you know playing in a in a power conference and and so no, didn't lose any sleep over that. And as it turned out, uh, you know, that's exactly what happened. What do you expect Saturday against Baylor and also the atmosphere at McLean Stadium? Well, I've never been there, and so uh, I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, I, in fact, I played with uh, Walter Abercrombie. I mean, oh! The, uh, yeah, he's a big name back there. I know that. We were, we were in the Hula Bowl together uh, way back in, uh, gosh, 82, 80, I can't remember what year it was, but but we were uh, seniors together and, and on that uh, in the hula ball, and I believe we played in the Japan Bowl together as well. I think we were both on that trip. So anyway, got to know Walter a little bit, and that was intriguing, you know, to hear about his, you know, talking about Baylor and then Coach Taff, of course. I, you know, he was yep. the guy that I had some interaction with, and him and uh, Coach Lavelle Edwards, who coached me in college, were the best of friends. And, and so I've uh, known Baylor from afar, but never been there. I know they got a beautiful new stadium. Well, I guess it's not that new anymore, a few years old, but but uh, it's supposed to be a great setting, and, and uh, you know I, I know that uh, you know they're a physical outfit. Coach Aranda is very committed to to defense, and and uh, you know Coach Grimes, I know him. He was right down the road here in Provo at, at BYU for several years, and so so there's familiarity, but uh, never been there, and looking forward to the experience. My last question is: Cam Rising, no matter his situation this week or whatever, is he the epitome of like what you want in a football player at Utah? Without a doubt, he's a, he's an absolute warrior. He's a he's the uh, alpha alpha dog of the football team. I mean, he is the guy that leads the leaders. Everybody looks to him. He sets the bar, and then he demands that everybody live up to that. Uh, you know, those expectations that he sets, and and uh, you couldn't ask for a, a you know a, any better personality or leadership from. Uh, from any position, but especially the quarterback position. I know the week is slammed anytime. Kyle, thank you for your time. Kyle Whittingham, appreciate it, Coach, for your time. Utah head football coach on 365 Sports. By the way, I did speak to Jake Hatch. He covers Utah really well. Brigham Young in Utah up in Salt Lake City. You know, they had a couple of running backs that had dinged up, including Jaquindon Jackson, who was at Texas. It was fantastic for them down the stretch when they had injuries there. Um, For Utah, not Texas. for, For Utah, uh, I think it's Bernard is another running back that was dinged up. He said there's a couple of players on the defense. They have their own injuries. And then Cam Rising, again, not sure what happens with that. And not sure how you, – you can't look at Baylor and prep for them and go, uh, we can rest him another week. If he's available, he'll play. If he's been cleared, he will play, whether they're playing Baylor, USC, or whoever. But not sure about what they do with Cam Rising. I love the comment about Rising from Kyle Whittingham. Appreciate his time. 
When we come back, uh, John McClellan, did you have something you wanted to add? No, I just thought I thought Bryson Barnes did a, a you know good enough job, and I, I think you know it says a lot when Utah could potentially have to you know go to their third quarterback, and they're still going to be heavy favorites in this game. You know, and I, heavy, I don't mean like three you know three scores or anything crazy like that, but uh, uh, they are that's how they're built is that they don't skip a beat. You know, they lose a Cam Rising, and so be it. Move on, Bryson Barnes dinged up, so be it. Move on and. They'll find a way, and that's something that, uh, you know, the team that we've been talking quite a bit about needs to do as well with Sawyer Robertson and just be prepared to, you know, whatever happens, pivot, and I think Utah's done a tremendous job with that. All right, when we come back, John McClain, Hall of Fame writer. It's been a couple of weeks, his thoughts about uh, the NFL starting this week, but also Baylor. He always has opinions on Baylor, and this is 365 Sports. TexasBeefHouse.com. They have um, – so many options for you. If you want tailgate food, they have it. For example, I've said this before, retired stockbroker, the last time he ordered something, the starter grill pack with eight burgers, five garlic sausage, two fillets, two strips, and two sirloins. Samantha then also threw in a summer sausage for $139.50 was the overall package they will send to you. I've been asked about, will they ship to X, Y, and Z? They will ship to every 49 states, contiguous USA, uh, Hawaii, I, I don't know. It doesn't sound like that's part of the option. But I had somebody from South Carolina. Yes, they do. Somebody from Kentucky. Yes, they do. Their biggest selling, I guess you could say, bundle is the Wagyu Sampler Bundle. It includes uh, hamburger products, a variety of them, patties, jalapeno and cheese, regular patties as well, ground beef, summer sausages, garlic links. Uh, they have the Great Divide Package, 20 pounds. It's a mix of hamburger patties and ground beef. And then also on top of that, jalapeno burgers and cheese patties available with regular ground beef. That's the uh, jalapeno and cheese Great Divide. Here's what they have. They have Wagyu beef, farm-raised, home-raised right there in East Texas. And where is the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from TexasBeefHouse.com. The sponsor of our chat room uh, pick them that we're going to do this week, and we're going to get that link up, try to work that out with Garrett before we go off the air. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from their pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. 
If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. When it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with NFL Hall of Fame columnist John McClain. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects with two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. Read John's work at sportsradio610.com. All right, here we go. John McClain, Hall of Fame uh, columnist with us, Craig Smoke and David Smoke. John, thank you for your time. Opening week of the NFL season, it kind of all migrates together, high school, then college, and now the NFL. And what were your thoughts about the report out of Kansas City about Travis Kelsey's knee? Well, you know, when it comes to injuries, it's such a long season. If Travis Kelsey can't play Thursday night, you know, that's, that's taken away like, it's like taking away an arm, Patrick Mahomes' arm. But you know what? If anybody can play with one arm, it's him. They're still going to be favored. They don't have Kelsey. They won't have Chris Jones. And there's no need to try to force Kelsey to play because it's such a long season. Everybody wrote him off last year as, as a Super Bowl contender after they traded Tyreek. He only went 14-3 and three and won another Super Bowl. So, it's a long season. If he doesn't play, it's not the end of the world. If they lose to Detroit, it'd be such a good deal for Detroit. 
wouldn't be on the magnitude of Colorado beating TCU, but if Detroit were to go into Kansas City, it would be a huge story in the NFL. Long way to go, John, obviously, but what did you make of Dion? Uh, Neon Dion, you know, being out there, not only just getting the attention, but getting the win, most importantly, and, and just how much that just launches Colorado further into, you know, the public eye. I watched uh, Matt Rule and Nebraska open they would win because I have great respect for him. And they were favored, I think, nine and a half at Colorado. And then after Colorado beat TCU, the Buffaloes are now favored. Think about all those Colorado fans. And I'm guessing there's some out there that bet on the Buffaloes when they were nine-point underdogs. And it's looking pretty good right now if you got your money down early. I thought it was great for college football. It was great for Colorado, great for Dion. His son, Shadour, played tremendously. But, man, his receivers, and that includes the running back and tight end, they had 273 yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that before. Travis Hunter, what an amazing Athlete, can't imagine he can keep that up. But they, you know, it's great. I've been talking on my shows every day. When uh, Jerry Jones is a patient man when it comes to his head coach, everybody knows that. But he won three Super Bowls with two college coaches, Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. So would he consider Dion if Dion can win at Colorado like he did at Jackson State when he has a coach's opening? Is Metroplex big enough? for Jerry Jones and Deion Sanders' egos. But uh, Jerry Jerry would be 82, 83 at that point, uh, maybe 81 next year. But uh, I don't think so because I think the Cowboys are going to be real good and win the NFC East. And I believe that uh, there would be a clamoring of fans and media to hire Deion if he continues to do well. And if he can win the way he has on the college level, what's to keep him from winning? the way he has at the NFL level. Yeah, there's a lot of people that didn't feel good about it. I know that I think the over-under was three and a half wins. There's a long way to go. But it's going to be really funny if he turns around and loses in Nebraska. No, <laughs> it, would, it would be yeah. great for Matt Rule, and I'd yeah. be thrilled. But at the same time, whether that happens remains to be seen. So, um, so the first week of the NFL season and the trends that start from it, it's one game now of 17 rather than what used to even be, what, 12 but any particular storylines that you are more focused in on than maybe others as we head to this first week? I look back at last season. 49ers got killed in the championship game. They've been getting to the championship game, and they didn't have a quarterback. They had to play Josh Johnson. Eagles beat them. So can the 49ers get over the hump with Brock Purdy if he can stay healthy? And um, – when I look around the NFC, you know, there's always talk about coaches on the hot seat. And I think Cowboys, because the NFC East winner never repeats as the NFC East winner, I'm going with the Cowboys over the Eagles, because the Super Bowl loser, other New England, never goes back to the Super Bowl the next year since the 90s. I'm not picking Philadelphia for the Super Bowl. I think I'm going to pick uh, – I'm going to pick San Francisco and Baltimore because I want to be different with Baltimore. And I'm going to pick Lamar Jackson to win the Super Bowl. I've got a column I'm working on right now with all my picks for SportsRadio610.com where there's no paywall. And I think this, no champion is repeated since the Patriots after the 0-2 season or 0-4 season, whichever one it was. 
I think the odds are against the Chiefs, whether Travis Hill see it. Chris Jones play 16 games. Uh, so that's why I'm not picking them. But uh, there's always great storylines like Detroit. And Detroit's won one playoff game since 50. And I think with Dan Campbell, it would be a great story for them to do well. But the NFL needs the Blue Bloods, like the Cowboys and the Steelers. They need those teams to do well. The AFC North and the AFC East and the NFC East, my goodness. The record it will take to win those games, Peter King and his Monday Morning America column, <coughs> excuse me, Big Jacksonville, that's the best record in AFC because they play AFC South and NFC South. The good teams in the two East and the AFC North are going to beat each other up. And one of them will probably win the Super Bowl. But a team like Jacksonville could fool around and get home field advantage. I'm not picking it. I'm not buying it. I think Tennessee might beat them out for the AFC South. But there's some really good teams in AFC are going to be two or three games over 500 and not make the playoffs because it's so talented and so competitive. And, of course, we've all just watched the Aaron Rodgers show on H- on HBO. And so now we're going to be seeing Rodgers almost 24-7 on ESPN and NFL Network. And i got to admit, I'm fascinated by the Rodgers to the Jets story. And the Jordan Love. Can he step up and do what Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers have done since uh, going back to 1992. So, John, you're, you're clearly very high on, on Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. That's who the Texans get uh, right here in the, the very first weekend on the road in Baltimore. I know we've talked to you throughout the offseason about the Texans and D'Amico Ryans, and I saw Jalen Petrie's named a captain, which is which is great. But, you know, so often it's like, what are the expectations? But, like, what what is – you know, kind of the, the feel around what would be considered progress and a step forward and, you know, the, things go in the right direction for, for the Houston franchise. Since they beat Baltimore, I mean, Buffalo in the playoffs after the 2019 season, blew a 24-0 lead at Stadium, they won 4-4 four, four, and 30 games. I think if they could win six, that would be tremendous progress for D'Amico Lions. Rookie quarterbacks. Whether it's Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, whether it's C.J. Stroud, they're going to be up, they're going to be down. And uh, the Texans will be that way. They're fortunate to be playing NFC South, unfortunate to be playing AFC North. And uh, so I think if they could win six games, Craig, people would see progress and go, aha, this team is on its way. All right, got to ask you about the University of Houston. I love their jerseys. The Love You Blue throwback, uh, they wanted a very nice win against UTSA and Jeff Trailer. Your thoughts about those jerseys? They got so much publicity out of those jerseys. There's so many people like me that turned it on to watch, to see the jerseys. And truthfully, it wasn't exactly the Columbia Blue that the Oilers wore, but everybody thinks the day light blue is Columbia Blue. And uh, they, they, they had to ask the NFL for permission, the NFL turned them down, but they did it anyway, and the NFL told them they better not be selling any of those jerseys, and they didn't. I think they should wear them at their first home game every year because they won. They got so much positive attention. Had a great video about it, well, narrated by Carl Lewis. They, they did it in a tremendous manner, and uh, it was, you know, their debut. They're in the Big 12. It's what they've been wanting 
since they were left on the outside looking in. And they, I don't think they'll be very good. And they may not get any more publicity like this the rest of the year. But for that day, it was special. So for simply having similar uniforms, the NFL can step in like that, huh? Oh, yeah. The NFL do anything they oh, want. Man. Yeah, and down here, down here, the Oilers, now the Titans, own the rights to anything Oiler-related, including the colors, the uniform, and everything else. The Texans have been dying in their new uniforms, which will be unveiled at the 2024 draft, to have a tribute to Houston. They say to Houston with some blue in it, light blue, like Columbia blue, some part of their uniform. And uh, if I don't think they can do it, but it may turn into uniform wars. Well, that explains. I saw a lot of Houston fans that were complaining about the lack of merchandise that was immediately available, and I think they do have some that's that's coming, according to, I believe, Chris Pesman. But that at least explains it a little bit more of like, oh, wait a second, there's actually yeah. – like they might have got warned to not do that. So, uh, but, yeah, very, yeah, very if cool. If they have – Craig, if they have anything that they try to sell that has that blue, the NFL – will be on them like think on you know what. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. All right, John, the Astros beat the hell out of the Rangers. They've been kind of – this has been kind of building up. Texas is in a free fall, have been now for probably since the last time they played the Astros. But it, this is a hell of a race with the Mariners, the Astros, and the Rangers, and I think the Rangers are sliding where they might not even make the damn playoffs. As you guys know, because you follow the Rangers, their bullpen is historically bad. It's horrible. Astros have yep. a really good bullpen. And, um, but if the Rangers win tonight and Seattle loses again, they're all three tied for first place. So the Astros are 35 and 34 at home. They've been terrible. They're 43 and 27 on the road. So they just got swept by the Yankees. And I write Astro columns on our website, sportsradio610.com. And I just eviscerated them. But I said, I can't wait to get to Arlington. And now I'm going to write after they play this series, if they win two or three or sweep them, which I don't think they will, don't let them come home. Put up roadblocks on I-45. Make them go to San Diego instead of the Padres coming here. Because it's unexplainable how bad they've been at home despite sellout crowds, great attendance. And uh, the last... Seven games in Seattle, three Astros, three Rangers. If the Mariners can't take advantage of that schedule, they don't deserve to win this division or make the playoffs. That's it? No, that's not it. There's uh, another team we have to ask about. (laughs) No, no, no. I was trying to avoid it. Nice talking to you guys. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) I appreciate it as always. You're not going to end it with six. Yeah, John. My mama told me you can't say something good. Don't say it at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That says it all right there. keep my mouth shut. That says enough, John. Appreciate you. you. Appreciate you. Um, Thank you guys very much. Can't wait to talk to you next week after Baylor pulls that big upset of Utah. There you go. There you go. I knew he had to do it. He had to do it. Thanks to John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist. Garrett, I sent that link to the Christian. And he it, and I it opens up. You're not able to open it up. Is it something with our I have software? multiple internal server errors? All right, we'll work on that. We got the chat room competition for the hundred dollar TexasBeefHouse.com gift card. We're going to do straight up. We got an online link for you to uh, give predictions or whatever, and we'll work on that for tomorrow. But uh, don't let me forget, Gary, because I want to make sure we get that out there. All right, thanks to our guest today, throughout the, uh, the throughout the show and. 
the chat room for rolling along and even the text line today. We appreciate that too. Yeah, no, it's uh, good to have uh, anybody on board whenever uh, and uh, do appreciate people watching live or, or after the fact. And again, just glad college football's here, even though unfortunately in this neck of the woods, we've had to like kind of bog down on a bad result. But I mean, I really look forward to tomorrow. Hopefully, I mean, we haven't touched on the tech loss at all. Uh, so I, I would like to get into that. Texas, and Joey McGuire sent me a, a super chat. Um, yeah, but uh, I want to talk about them. I don't think we I have really gotten around to like, you know, some of the the other parts of the league, even though we've, we've gone over the results and all of that. So it's about that time. It'll be midweek to start previewing again. And so uh, that'll be tomorrow to kind of start doing that in the last little bit of review as well of, uh, of the opening weekend. But um, I don't blame John for not wanting to talk about it. Just rather just keep your, keep your mouth shut. Cause man, what, like what if they do go beat Utah? I know it's unlikely, but you just never freaking know with college football. This is not like it's, Alcorn State versus Alabama, right? You know, so there's there's always a chance, but I know it doesn't seem very very likely right now. All right, uh, Garrett Ross, thank you. There are two super chats. I think we need to get. Oh to. no, we do. Charles yeah. Barkey, I I even put him in my. Uh, all right, fifty dollars super chat. Utah has been referred to as a biker gang by the Pac-12 after dark uh, for a few years now. That that that's the way they play. They come in like over oh, the black jacket with rhinestone and all that other stuff, and they. They maul you. They, they, that's the way they play. Also, another big-time super chat from Charles. Flying out Thursday, headed to Waco with some family out of Colleen and Dallas. I personally expect a very competitive game. Regardless of last Saturday, I went to Florida last year. I expect a great game in Waco. Yeah, well, thank you, Charles. Uh, very much appreciate you. Sorry it took a little while to get to those. Uh, I don't know the biker gangs are wearing rhinestones. Uh, that would be a little bit out of the element. But I think you're talking about like the metal spikes and, and all that. Rhinestones would be more... Um, like diamondy looking, which I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of biker gangs, but I understood what you're trying to go there. That'd be a funny look, though, if Utah showed up in rhinestones. Um, but yeah, they are they are very much like that uh, that street fighter that you don't want to mess with and get into a tussle with. And and if you do, you know, for uh, better or worse, you know, as result wise, you're going to be on the worst end as far as you're going to feel it, uh, even if you're able to, to pull the victory out. And so um, I think everybody's expecting a street fight this weekend. Uh, is expecting, a, you know, one tough hombre to be walking in here. And we're just all very curious about, you know, how the uh, how the other side uh, is ready to fight because uh, there's no doubts on any uh, any side of the equation of, of what we expect out of Utah and, and what they're going to be bringing in and uh, the respect that people have for them. So I hope you have a safe trip. Do appreciate the super chats, but I think everybody knows what's brewing and that the home team better be ready for a fight or it's going to get ugly. It would be bloodshed otherwise. Uh, thanks again, everyone. I mentioned also the chat room, the text line, and uh, those of you who ask us for questions, and I, 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 do, I know that there are some we just couldn't get to today, and maybe we will, so you uh, have to trust us on what we do uh, in our job and profession on an everyday basis. Uh, thank you to our great sponsors. Tomorrow, SMU. Rick Hart, the AD, on their change and coming up with the ACC and much more behind the scenes with him. That's coming up. I'm David Smoke for Craig Smoke as well. Paul back with us tomorrow, 365 Sports tonight at 1030 on the CW, and have a great night.
Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to 